0: You can kick your fancy ales, you can drink them by the flagon, but the only food for the draven too, comes from that green dragon. Welcome to the Green Dragon Podcast. This is Jeremy with two very special, well, one very special guest and also Lachlan from Zorpazorp.
1: Hey there guys, glad to be back.
0: And also I have guest UK correspondent, actually our third UK correspondent, although I don't know if Stu counts as a correspondent now that he's sort of branched out on his own. But we have Dan. Hello. Now, Dan, please tell us a little bit about yourself and your credentials.
2: So, yeah, I'm Dan. I'm from Manchester in the UK. Um, I write for the, the Drawn Combat blog, which was started by my friend, another Dan, Dan Slob, uh, around six months ago. Uh, at the time, we were all really new to the game and we thought, you know, why not start a blog with... Um, you know, a real sort of noob's take on things. So our first few articles were these these noob's perspective articles, just where we take a completely unbiased by any sort of expertise take on all these armies that we were collecting at the time. So Dan started putting these out really regularly for um, for a few months to get him through some some new fatherhood, baby-related sleeping issues he was having at the time. So he, he started out a really solid blog, and then we just sort of all jumped on board, started chipping in with our own, our own little takes on the game. Uh, my take has been the, the numbers game, so we're looking at crunching some stats on some some units and see who comes out on top, and that's what we'll be uh, looking at today.
0: Absolutely. I'm very excited about number crunching because it's been a long time since we've done a maths episode here. Um, I don't know if you, you two are aware, but, but years and years ago, I put together some spreadsheets and did some numbers, and this is very much up my alley. I love to see the Excel colored spreadsheet that goes from green to red. Anytime I see that, I'm very excited with the analysis that's provided.
2: Yeah, you should have uh, plenty of that today. Absolutely. I absolutely
1: loved those uh, old school maths episodes back in the day with Jeremy crunching out some uh, binomial theorem and getting some statistical analysis and bringing it to cavalry. Exciting stuff.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. During my uh, maths for this, actually, because I've forgotten everything, you know, College and university. It's all it's all gone, so I had to relearn all my fractions, all, all my all my uh all my stats crunching. It turns out I actually rediscovered binomial distribution from first principles while doing this completely accidentally. But uh there we go, that's how deep we got.
0: You know, oh, fantastic. I did a similar thing as well. I hadn't studied it for years, and then, then went, oh, wait a second, that's stuff we learned ages ago, and, and oh, it's pretty useful here. So that's really good. Let's get started. So we're looking at the Drawn Combat blog, A Cavalry Comparison. So this is from February of this year, 2020, the uh, the fantastic year it is so far, and it's it caught my eye, not only because of the pretty pictures of cavalry, but... I've been playing a lot of cavalry lately and was very keen to see your opinion on this one. And the start, you've got an introduction about your, your method and what you're going for, and it all seems very sensible. So do you want to talk us through that, Dan, for the start?
2: Yeah, so I, I come from a sort of science background, so this seemed to me to be a pretty, pretty logical way of doing things. And because the game is so complicated and what we're really trying to do is boil it down to real simple uh, you know, number comparisons, we had to put in quite a lot of mitigating, uh, you know, paragraphs just to not not ruffle any feathers. So um, the, the basic idea we came up with is we're going to be looking at killing power and survivability. You know, your odds of killing something on a charge and your odds of not getting killed on a charge. Those are the two things which we can, you know, boil down to real cold hard stats with all cavalry models in the game. So we thought we'll, we'll take those two things and we'll just completely run with them. We'll try and keep special rules off to the side for the most part. Unless they, you know, directly influence, you know, one of those two killing or, or dying statistics.
0: Yeah, that's all very fair. It does it does leave out a huge amount, but you've, you've mitigated that with lots and lots of sentences justifying that, which is most disappointing, because normally we want to pull apart people and make fun of them wherever possible, but you've sort of prevented that slightly, and you've you've definitely made that very clear that, that it's not going to be the most complex analysis, but it is going to be a, quite a useful one, I imagine, as we go through it. So I found it interesting. You've said the models, um, based on charging or getting killed by a pair of models. And that's a, a an average warrior, which you've taken an average of a Minas Tirith warrior and an Urukai uh, scout with shield, which is decent choice, but I guess the small range of fight value might become an issue later on.
2: Yeah, so this is this is something we looked at a few times, and there are sort of a few iterations in the process. We start out just with a Minas Tirith warrior with shield, but um the fact that it was based completely on on, on D6 uh, really, really biased the um the killing power towards certain things. Uh, most particularly, the the difference between strength three and strength four becomes an absolute chasm when you're only considering defense six. So that was the first thing to change. We sort of realized that we needed to give the uh, strength three units a little chance to shine as well. So we 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 brought in the D five, the and then the same thing happened with fight value. We we started out only with the fight three, but then um, Ls took a huge hit here because uh, you know they're paying through the nose for their fight five, and when you're completely discounting any difference between uh, fight four and fight five because you know you either have to fight a friendship or you don't. Elves are coming up really, really poorly on this on this comparison. So we we realized that we needed to put in you know the sort of average uh, hybrid profile. So it's not an average between the two stats. We work out the full you know the full stats for a Ministerith warrior and for the, the Uruk High scout, and then we take the average of the, the final values from those.
0: That's solid, Lachlan. What do you think about those two choices? Reasonable.
1: Obviously, with, you know, a lot of our elven profiles, we're still going to have a fight value above that kind of considered metric of the Urukai scout and the Minas Tirith. So, Dan, did you still feel that elves may have not been quite 100% represented, still paying a little bit for that fight value, but not able to kind of bring it to advantage, whereas, you know, effectively fighting as a uh, superior fight value anyway?
2: Uh, I think I think we did okay because we are only looking at warrior models there's no heroes in the thing the, the highest fight value we are looking at is uh fight five so the use of the fight four it does is differentiate out the um you know the ls from the from the fight four models so when, when we put that in the Ls really did uh, get bumped up quite a bit in there in their, I'm very um,
1: I'm very excited yeah. to see whether or not we uh, we considered royal guard at fight five with the Theoden buff to see how that really <laughs> affects the numbers so I'm, uh, I'm I'm keen to dig in from a Rohan perspective that's for sure.
2: Yeah, well, I won't spoil anything, but uh, yeah, I don't think I'll be disappointed. No, oh, goody. <laughs>
0: yeah, that, that's a, a lot of fun there. Um, the one thing I, I've, I see automatically is you've got the potential, the probability of just doing a single wound, and I feel like Cavalry, one of the, the great things about Cavalry is the potential to do multiple wounds, so um, mm. that's one thing that... that perhaps could have been considered, but I guess that, that it's a pretty standard base and, and whether you can kill one or not is not going to make a huge difference over whether you can do two wounds or one wound. I guess it will if you considered how good they are at killing heroes and things like that. But then the ones who are good at killing one model are, are actually good at killing multiple models as well. So it's probably not going to be the biggest deal.
2: Yeah, agreed. We, we started looking at things like multi-kills and um, bringing in very basic heroic stats, um, but it really just balloons out in complexity uh, very, very, very quickly. So we thought, yes. you know, keep it really simple. Um, don't don't consider anything beyond killing the front model because you know certain models are going to be vastly, vastly better at, uh, at killing several things. Most notably, uh, canvas chariots. Once, once we started looking at, you know, do we give them a little bonus for getting multi kills? No, no it, was, it went crazy. So we thought, just keep it to the uh, keep it to the front model and uh, see how we go.
0: And look, there's some of the ones that are a bit oddball as well that you've added into the comparison. So. Particularly mm-hmm. the um, the Cardish chariot and the Wag Marauder are, are very different types of models to the rest of them. So I, I found it interesting you included them in there. I understand for completeness it's probably a good idea, but they are quite wacky. So it's going to be interesting where they show up in this because I feel like they could end up being outliers just because of how different they operate to everything else.
2: Yeah, they, they absolutely are outliers, and we sort of we did think about keeping them off to one side because they they are completely different principle to the to the rest of the cavalry. But then we thought, you know, are oh, we going to annoy more people? By putting them in, or are we going to annoy people by keeping them out? And I didn't want to upset any any air players, so uh, in they went.
0: Oh, that's a real shame because normally what we go by is how many people can we annoy. That's a good metric because, um, as Lachlan knows, when you when you're in this sort of media business, either although we don't really make any money, and it's not really a business. We like to try and get attention, and Lachlan is very good at that, and trying trying to get some people <laughs> onside, some people offside, because then more people go in and. and and pay attention to it. So you could have really gone a bit clickbaity, but instead you've gone very conservative and very logical. So now we'll do the clickbaity yeah, version yeah. of it. We're definitely yeah, a bit my,
1: thrown my, off uh, foot by your uh, your clear integrity, Dan. It's, uh, it's absolutely yeah. bewildering to us.
2: Well, this is my first, uh, let's say, in-depth blog post. I'm, I'm sure we'll get time to degenerate down the line.
0: Perfect. Now that's what we want to hear. Yeah, cuz we feel like we can turn you. You've got you've got a good basis of knowledge. You can probably go and noise and people off sides here. So, um, I I like I'm pretty happy with this method overall. The big thing that and you've mentioned this as well is that you're not taking into account uh, the the role in the army about what they actually do. You basically gave everyone the same role of just hitting and doing as much damage as possible on the charge.
2: Completely. Yeah, we we again there's there's no way we could quantify uh, you know, objective grabbing or, or any of that stuff. So we thought, yeah, we'll just look at kills and see to see how the numbers pan out. I think the only real thing we've not covered on the on the method is just the uh, the little scenario that we we came up with, which is the cavalry model charging into a warrior model with a spear support. And we, we went with two models just because uh, it, it split out the data a little bit more. Uh, I put the numbers in for a cavalry model just charging one uh, infantry warrior. Uh, But they, you know, they all just got trampled. There there wasn't a big split in the numbers. Uh, Things weren't really having a real chance of getting killed, the cavalry model getting killed. So we thought, you know, we'll make it a bit more of a challenge for the cavalry model. Stick with two models. Uh, Then you've got in the dual role, you have two attacks on two attacks, and it kind of gives a nice, nice little spread of data.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think that's that's fair as well because that's, that's the risky charge for cavalry models. Normally, if you're going against one model, you always go in with whatever cavalry model you have and you just don't care. But when you are going to two, yeah. sometimes you have to think about it and, and do you really want to go in just that and, and go for a 50-50 or do you want to go and make sure you've got lots of friends going in as well? So it's a good scenario because some of them are not going to be that effective at it and some of them are going to be very effective at it. So I think we should uh, bring in your overall point value metric.
2: Ooh, here we go. Okay, so the, if there's one contentious part of the uh, the analysis, it's going to be this part. And we, we wanted just something to give an overall spread to the to the data, and just it kind of gave us a, a diving board for discussion. So the overall points value was uh, worked out from the so we work out the chance of killing model on the charge. That's like the one important offensive stat, and then we work out the chances of not being killed, so that's a percentage chance of surviving during that same charge. Uh, but that gives a little problem in that the, the chance of surviving is going to be so, so much bigger than the chance of killing. Um, so we had to knock down the uh, percent chance of surviving a little bit just so it was in the same sort of distribution range as the offensive stats. So we uh, essentially dropped the whole range down so it had the same uh, average as the the offensive, you know, the kill percent chance. Uh, so these two stats were more or less evenly weighted. The distribution was almost identical. We thought, okay, that's you know that's the one big, um, you know, academic concession we're making to this whole thing. That's the one big logical leap we're making. We are weighting your chance of surviving pretty much equally to your chance of of killing your model. So we're putting offense and defense roughly on level pegging in terms of importance.
0: Mm. Yeah. So I, I
2: think that's as concessions go. It wasn't the worst one we could. You know, if you you are looking at it in terms of objective only, maybe you weight defence more highly. That's not what we did in this case. We thought, you know, this gives us a nice average cross-section of how good is this cavalry model doing the stuff you're going to want it to do. And, yeah, we went from there.
0: So, Lachlan, what do you think? Cavalry models, do we actually care about their defence at all?
2: I mean, yes, because, you know, when
1: you uh, have a charge that is blunted and lose a whole lot of cavalry, that can be uh, certainly... Certainly a big impact, but it, it is all about that first charge hitting really hard. Interesting, though, I mean, I, th- I think it's all about where you want to take your sort of analytical standpoint from. If you were considering more about objective grabbing, then you might weight defense more highly. But this is kind of a neutral place to come from, to just have a look at a balance of how well they kill and how well they'll survive. I'm really interested to see how the numbers frame out as we start to consider the different profiles. One thing I will say is I wonder... How that would have been affected or how the distribution might have changed if uh, the cavalry was fighting two infantry in base contact rather than one infantry in one support because the potential range for extra damage, uh, you know, being able to kill effectively two models on the charge. uh, That would have, I guess, made the spread even larger between the defensive and the offensive power.
2: Yeah, definitely. And if, if I ever revisit this sort of thing, it's something I will look at doing because well, I've not thought of a way of doing it yet. But if there is a good way of modelling in numbers, uh, multi kills, then yeah, it, it could be something where you really start to see your big, heavy hitting models uh, start to shine, especially those that do impact it. So we're looking at things like Mahud Raiders. And uh, on, on your previous point of weighting defence and offence. Yeah, it it is something to bear in mind when we go through the numbers, because you, you probably will find that the offensive models really do come out pretty, pretty well. And there's one, one particular defensive model. Um, you know, you'd only take it for defense and it doesn't come out quite as well in numbers as you as you might expect it to.
0: Well, this is where we're going to be contentious because we've got lots of different opinions on cavalry and roles and that sort of stuff and and I know Locke and I've been been in the game for for a long time so we might be able to point out some different uses that we have for them that may be not considered in in the metric but let's go into the results for it for just the uh, the standard ones with no benefits from from like banners or special rules is that correct
2: yep that's right yeah so we did a big table of the um, just your basic naked cavalry the only things we're considering in terms of special rules are Uh, rules that the cavalry model is always going to have an effect, you know, that you doesn't need a buffing model, special triggers or magic powers or anything like that. If you have a cavalry model, which is charging into a model, which will have this buff active 100% of the time, then we threw it into the numbers. Uh, Otherwise, we left it for a a separate buffed uh, analysis later on.
0: Okay, so we've got uh, you've got two two metrics here: the the kill power per point, and then the overall points value, the weighted one. And um, we'll go into the overall points value very soon because that one you've got it ordered by, and it looks very logical. But the um, what I like about this is the standout kill power per point. Things like the uh, the serpent rider, the hood raider, and. The other one I noticed was the Haradrim Raider, which are all in the same sort of list category, which I found very interesting as a as a point of view that that those Harrod and Far Harrod Cavalries really do come up very well in the kill power per point, and is that just because of their war spear access?
2: Yeah, the war spear is, is a huge part of it. Um, we did I don't think in this table, but yeah, we we separated out in our on our big you know our big spreadsheet. The models that do and don't have access to lances and war spears, and yeah, as you'll see, that's a, that's a huge, huge thing. Things like Minas Tirith warriors, uh, cavalry rather, which you wouldn't really expect to be, to be way up there. Just the fact they have access to a lance just makes them, you know, offensive powerhouses. And uh, yeah, like you said, all, all the um, the southern armies they just throw caution to the wind, they have these war spears, uh, they they just prioritize offense, and they yeah, they come up really well in the uh, the kill power per point.
0: Yeah, and I noticed in the really low kill power point, you've got the the Warg Marauder which we talked about before, maybe a bit of an outlier, and also the Rider of the Dead which is an interesting one as well because I feel that one's heavily influenced by the the opponent you you're fighting against because uh you've gone for the standard profile, but the the courage one is can, can make a difference with that one, but that's also got a totally different role to some of the others. So, that's um interesting that the wag marauder came down so low that because i guess it's just such a high point value model that that it does, it does something probably a bit different
2: yeah i was quite surprised at that i thought it'd come out a lot better in the um in the the kill power but i, I think yeah it is it's a high point and at the end of the day you're only looking at um, strength three and uh and fight three as well so yeah it, it came out quite quite low for kill power I think that the way it makes its points back is just the fact that it, it can't be taken off the table in one turn in, in this scenario. So it's, yeah, so it's a tough, a tough model.
0: Yeah. It's kind of model though, that, that you love to put against a hero because that's the one that can take it out in one turn, like reasonably effectively, especially if it's got a friend with it. So it's, it's definitely a valuable model and it's, it's one of the, the more powerful models in the game, but it's sounds like it's not as points effective. So it probably, I don't know how you guys have seen it played, but I always see it in small numbers anyway. So like, like, between two and four in an army so it sort of goes along with that that you don't want to take heaps of them but you take a few to to do a
2: job yeah absolutely yeah i agree
1: so we've got our, our weighted overall points value, which is essentially rating how effective these models have been rated in terms of their kill power and their defensive power, and then that's weighted by how much the points actually cost. So we're getting an effectiveness yes. per how much uh, the player is paying to take them in their army. So, uh, Jeremy, do not want me to just run down the entire list best to worst?
0: Yes, let's do that. That sounds good to me.
1: All right, so up up the top of the table, with the most effective power per point, we have the Mahud Raider, uh, and he is sitting on, I'm going to give you an indication of these numbers because they are quite close. He's sitting on 15.69. Then in second place, we have the Rohan Royal Guard with throwing spears, 15.15. Then the Kandish Charioteer, a bit of a smoky, coming in on 14.77. Then the Serpent Rider, again, because cheap lance war spear 14.74 then the rohan royal guard without throwing spear and that's throwing spear and not throwing spear, I think is a point we're going to return to on a few units. Uh, He's 14.14. The Iron Hills Goat Rider coming Mm. in just above 13. The Morgul Knight 12.77. Again, we've got another lance there. Here's the Warg Marauder at 12.65. The Warg Rider with throwing spears, 12.19. Unbelievably coming in ahead of the Rivendell Knight. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: A a Warg Rider with throwing spears above the Riv Knight. The Riv (laughs) Knight is sitting on uh, 12. 12.07. We have the Knight of Minas Tirith striking up nice and high with that Lance bonus on 11.86, just edging out the Mirkwood Cavalry, Mm. 11.85. We've got a tie in second place between two big armoured heavy hitters. We've got the Knight of Dol Amroth with, of course, their Lance and then the Son of Aeol, and they're both sitting on 11.5. Jeez, it's some tight margins here in this table.
0: It is is very precise. Mm -hmm.
1: We have the Black Dragon Cataphracts, uh, obviously lending their fight four, which gives them a help there. So they're at 10.9. I'll just switch to our second table here. Uh, and then we've got the Rider of Rohan finally making an appearance. This is with throwing spears, 10.88. The Normal Wild Rider, 10.71. The Dunlending Horseman, 10.71. Then Cardish Horseman, 10.65. Galadrim Knight, way down the middle bottom of the pack, 10.6. Haradrim Haradrim Raider, 10.36. Citadel Guard, right down the bottom on 9.64. The Rider of the Dead, 9.4. The Normal Rider of Rohan, 9.18. Easterling Cataphracts down the bottom at 9. Rohan Outrider, of course, that D4 will have cost them big time on 8.4. The Orc Tracker, 7.49. And then, Jeremy, how do you feel about this one in last place? The Hunter Orc on 6.83, a whopping 10 points uh, below the top of the table.
0: How do I feel about that? I think I'm going to take an army of hunter orcs at the moment and try and prove this wrong. Cause that sounds like a challenge to me. That sounds like one that, that I can take on with there. And we'll talk about that when we get to the scores, but, but the hunter orc down the bottom, it, it, oh, that's just not fair. That's so biased against crazy Mad Max hairstyles and, and, and beautiful wags. That's, that's sure. It's going to be at least above the orc tracker, even on looks.
1: You would think so. You would think so. <laughs>
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that one. I, I disagree with that one. But I, the interesting table for, from my point of view here is got the buff cavalry model. And just seeing this list is, is insanely scary, these sort of ones. And this is what you do encounter because people design their lists with their cavalry and friends involved. So these are not uncommon at all buffs. We've got, uh, for our overall weighted points and a much higher points here, you've got Saladin with the Serpent Riders. And this is what I've been playing lately. So I'm a, I am like this one, but I do not have the wound for the Betrayer because I've been taking a Mumak instead. But that's the top. Serpent Riders with Saladin and the Betrayer. Um, you can actually be even nastier as well because the Serpent Riders can reroll from Saladin and from a, a banner as well. I think it counts that you can get two there. So that might actually go higher if the double rerolls. Um, you've got then the Knights of Minas Tirith with Banner and fight though from Boromir. Stupid Boromir. Boromir is pumping up the Knights of Minas Tirith. We know what that does. Uh, the Mirkwood Cav. Mirkwood Cav. I'm happy about this one. They're up the top here with a Thranduil. That makes sense to me. They're Elf Cav with... With Thrandall. nice Dol Amroth, Ugh, Lachlan. We I disagree with you on the taste of these models. These are not the nicest looking models. And Imri Hill's ugly, but they're definitely up the front. But you've also got Fourlong hanging around as well. Uh, you've got Harajim Raiders with Solidan, of course, and the Betrayer, of course. Why not Royal Guard? There we go. A bit down there, Lachlan. Only six, uh, six up here with the fight from Théoden. Fight five Royal Guard. Yeah, that you might find some use for that. Kandish Charioteer with a banner from the king and piercing strike this time. So you're going all out with your Kandish Charioteer. you got a son of Aeol with one plus attack from Aeol, which, of course, because that's the only time you see him now, unfortunately. Citadel uh, Guard with banner and fight from Boromir. It's getting down the list, actually. This is getting to make them effective, but not, not up the top. Kandish Horseman with banner from the king. Ride of Rohan with spears and fight value from Theoden. Uh, Riders of Rohan, uh, it's not not so good, Lachlan, there. Riders of Rohan with fight value from Theoden. And then finally, the Rider of the Dead wounding against one minus Courage. So getting the bonus for the, the King of the Dead way down in the red at nine, whereas everyone else is in the 20s or the 15s or or the Rider of the Rohan in 13. You've got Rider of the Dead, a terrible nine, looking looking really, really nasty at the moment. Right of the dead. It looks like you just pick them up, like the hunter rocks, and throw them straight in the bin after seeing these numbers.
2: Not the intention, but yeah, I can I can get how that So with this buff table, we just want to stick in all the you know, the really common buffs and, and most of the time when you see cavalry in a list, they are gonna be running somewhere between that first table and, and this second one, using you know some of if not all of the buffs that we've got here. And yeah, like you said, the the numbers we're seeing here are pretty much sat directly on top of the the unbuffed cavalry. Things like the the Rider of the Rohan with spears. Uh, when you're putting in their 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 fight buff, they've gone from where are we? They've gone from a ten point eight in the the first table up to a big old fourteen point five in the second one. So these are really bumping the models up to the very the very top of the uh, the cavalry list.
0: Yeah, the only concern I've got with this from the numbers point of view is that a lot of these buffs are banner effects. And banner effects are pretty much accessible to every cavalry. So I wouldn't have mind seeing every cavalry with a banner near it just for the comparison. Because I feel like the banner, just from, from my own investigations, the banner is more valuable to the higher fight models. So it would have been nice to have some of those without just the special character banners. Or the, some of them with the potential to have two banners in there would be interesting as well. But, but this is a really good analysis and you can see just the benefit you get from these buffs. And these buffs, and they're nothing trivial. They are really big buffs
2: yeah They're crazy the the banners the line in the sand we drew was um six inch versus three inch you know everything in the game has access to a three inch banner uh six inch you know it's much bigger it's much easier to keep up especially with the cavalry on their big bases so we thought you know anything with a special six inch banner we'll throw that in and then model that everything else you know it's going to have more or less the same the same advantage from a three inch banner but the six inch does make a, a huge in-game difference
0: yeah fair enough fair enough that's good reasoning welcome do you agree with that
1: yeah, absolutely. Although I'm I'm all in the uh, all in the theme of giving Dan homework so that he can crunch more numbers for us <laughs> yes, and get yes. back to us. So <laughs> so here's my one. I want to see Son of Earl on the charge, one attack from Earl and piercing striking because that level of flash damage on enemy heroes is very fun. So crunch the numbers on that one, Dan, and get back to me.
2: Can, can do. I'll be back in five minutes. No, um, we we definitely want to look at uh, special strikes in the future because. Uh, what is it, Strength 6, Son of El goes up to? With, with his yep, piercing Strength
1: 6 with three attacks on the, on the charge. Yeah, Absolutely oh. correct.
2: Yeah. How does like it get up to
0: Strength 6? Does it have five, Strength 5 base?
1: Because it... he's Strength 4 base, then you get the uh, army bonus, because you get the army bonus if you stick with Aeol, so you go up to Strength 5, and then Piercing Strike puts you up to Strength 6.
0: Wow. Okay, does that yeah, happen in the crazy, Legendary man. Legion as well? Is that... Oh, no, there's no Sons of El Legendary Legion. Yeah,
1: AL doesn't have a Legendary Legion, unfortunately, Strength as of six. yet.
0: Oh, and that is yeah, insane. It's... <laughs> it's
1: crazy, dude. I was wounding Moria heroes on three, so I was like, what is happening?
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, look- that is crazy. Yeah, after, after writing this, the, the idea of a, a full Sons of Earl list just seemed uh, pretty tempting.
0: That also is the number's going to be biased if you have the high defense. So if you have some defense eight in there, that those are really going to shine against that sort of one because most of the cavalry have trouble. Well, not trouble, but they don't like that as much. But if you can get up to strength six, defense eight, who cares? Like you, you're going to take them down. So those those shield wall uh, dwarves, iron hills that are sitting there with their their defense eight are not going to be any match for for very old men riding horses
1: indeed however of course that strength six comes with the huge trade-off of minus d3 defense so it'll be really interesting and Mm -hmm. obviously we're going to jump into this next part of the table which is the percentage of kill live versus die uh it will be really cool to see that analysis on that model as well opening yourself up to a Effectively, potentially going down to defense three uh, if you roll the five or six on that D3 of the uh, the defense flip from piercing strike. So, yeah, I mean, we could do this all day, couldn't we? Crunch a million different scenarios.
0: I've done some of the, the piercing strike analysis from the previous edition where you went up and down, and basically the overall trend of, of piercing is that both sides just die more. So the numbers are actually reasonably comparative. It just makes the combats more deadly. So it gets that that wide area in the middle where no one dies. It shrinks that and just pushes the other sides uh, forward. So... Uh, whether that will change the numbers a huge amount, I'm not entirely sure. But it does. It's something to, to look at when you want to want to kill or die quickly. That that piercing definitely helps you in. Now let's move on to the exciting part here. We're going to have some debate because you have given Dan some letter grades for each of the the models. So I want you to to mention them, give us their letter grade, and then uh, any any extra justification you want to give. There's plenty of justification in the blog, and then Lachlan and I will absolutely agree with all of them without any drama whatsoever. I imagine perhaps.
2: Yeah, I can't wait. So this should be a nice uh, nice, easy ride then. Yeah, we'll see, won't we? <laughs> <laughs> no ruffled feathers, no raised voices. Yeah, that's No, no no, it. no, 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 not, so, not from us. Well, I'm going through these. I'll, I'll be coming back to, you know, the, the percentage kill, live and die chance as well. just It gives us a good a good jumping off point for the discussion. Uh, so we've gone through these in the order that they're in the, the army book. So we'll run through the Lord of the Rings book first and then go through the, the Hobbit book which starts with the uh, the Knight of Minas Tirith coming in at 14 points, right? We've given these an A. They're really solid. They've got a lance. They, they kill things pretty really well. They, for the most part, don't die. Uh, then we've got to consider as well the, the Boromir buff. You know, when they bring Boromir along, they're just crazy. Fight 4 is is a, a ridiculous thing to have on them. They turn into absolute monsters. So, yeah, we, we gave them an A.
0: Yeah, two scores probably would be be fair there. One with Boromir, one without. But I, I, mm-hmm. I actually agree with this one. The... The defense six on these guys means that they do hang around like way more than they feel like they should. So when they charge in, they they do some damage. A lot of times the the combat ends up nothing happening, but they just stay around so long. And when they do hit, they really do hit. They are they are probably underrated a little bit and dirt cheap. Fourteen points is is absolute bargain for for these guys. So I don't disagree with that, Mark. I'm I'm happy for these guys to get an A just because their their affordability as well, Lachlan.
1: The <laughs> cat Yeah, it's all about that affordability bringing D6 with a lance. It's a pretty brutal combination. I think Jeremy's right. They do get really undervalued by the broader community because they're just fight three. As for how often they're near Boromir, that's obviously going to depend on the list build. These days, a lot of players are building Boromir on foot in that shield wall or even on horse around a shield wall rather than leading a a mounted cadre. But, um, I mean, there's certainly still people bringing knights with Boromir to get that buff um so yeah they're I, w- I would say maybe an a minus is where i'm feeling but they're certainly uh certainly certainly up there for that uh that cheap price point to bring lances and defense six
2: yeah, yeah they're just really solid at the end of the day they're just a lance on legs and if you can engineer your your flank so that it ends up within six inches of Boromir, then you've got the got the best of both worlds absolutely very true
0: okay next one
2: Citadel guard, right. So um, yeah, when I was going through these, kind of felt like uh, just a bit of a token inclusion, you know, not they're just sort of thrown in the book there. Uh, the thing we'll see time and time again with this is that anything with the anything built around a bow tends to come out really, really badly in the uh, in the cavalry stats. So we gave them a C. Uh, you know, they they can get to fight five with Boromir, that's okay, but I mean, how often do you really see that happening? Uh, for me, there's there's not a huge amount of reason to take these over a, over a knight of Minas Tirith.
0: Ooh, I totally disagree with Me. this one.
2: I want to go first. You I want to go, go, go first. first. Go, go, go. Oh, the gloves are coming off.
1: Sinal Guard are absolutely awesome. I love I love seeing them mounted. Um, Yeah, obviously, now... Dan's given us the caveat that there's uh, a lot of things not being taken into consideration, and, and special rules is obviously been the biggest one when it doesn't have a direct effect on combat. Having these guys sitting back on objectives with uh, with bodyguards, so they're not running away, and being able to still contribute to the war effort with their bow uh, is is absolutely awesome. Um, and also, they're not rubbish because you know they've got that survivability of the heavy armor, uh, and they do have that fight force. So if if some infantry are running to can, sort of counter that objective, they can you know get a charge mow them down and still have some uh, offensive power with a bit of hit so I, I love i love some citadel guard and funnily enough we quite often see them in australia at least at least in brizzy um being run in gondor lists with boromir and holding flanks and then running in to be little fight five boosters and flying in around behind to stay within six of boromir so we we see them uh see them get quite a lot of use in in those sorts of ways so i would say they're higher than a c for me
0: yeah, I've got a similar experience with them as well. I've got my own set of six of them, and they, they make the, the Gondor cavalry list work because you add them in, you, you add... Of course, you add, you add Boromir. You add Boromir, you add the Knights of Minas Tirith. These guys can harass. They don't have to go in. They're actually really effective, like, hero killers if you want to either just match... The, a lot of heroes a fight for or the... Um, like if you go up to fight five with the banner, that that's getting on this silly level, but the bodyguard is probably one of the best rules in the game because what it means is you're up against army of the dead. You're going in guaranteed every time with these guys, you want to sit on an objective, you know, you're not going to disappear at the end. And that's just so reliable because the other guys are sitting at what fight, uh, sorry, courage three with maybe your army bonus of courage four. You're still going to run away at times. You're still going to get hit by harbinger of evil. The, this Citadel guard is so reliable. Having just fight four and a bodyguard is incredibly useful. I feel like if they're in any other list, you'd take these guys because they are, they are that good. And I think they're only a token inclusion because they you have to convert
2: the model for them. Right there, you go. Yeah, some some fair points.
1: Yeah, having the the uh, the model conversion step is certainly uh, tricky, and and that's I think why we see them a lot less. For, to be sure
0: yeah they mm-hmm. they 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 are they are good and look, I understand it because they are they play a totally different role to the others. They are absolute cavalry they are absolute hitters, but in addition, they are very good shooters they are amazing objective grabbers they are the perfect. I need a single model to charge this troll and hold it up for a turn. They are brilliant at that they're great at harassing heroes, just throw them in and see what they do kidan has been pretty popular around, so terror bubbles have been happening in the scene for quite a bit. I know that there's going to be a little bit less of that, but these guys are just a brilliant counter for that sort of terror reduces your stats type, type game. It's just really, really solid. So that's the first one we disagree with. Let's move on to the Knights of Dol Amroth.
2: So going to the Knights of Dol Amroth, I kind of, when I was crunching the numbers, you realize that... Bringing most of the same things that the Knights of Minas Tirith bring to the table, but they cost six points more. So, in terms of pure efficiency, they're really not up there with uh, with the Knights of Minas Tirith. They only start to claw some of their efficiency back when you're bringing along their buffs. So, the ones we've looked at are Imrahil, who is almost always going to be around, uh, definitely for the the, the ridiculous twelve inch banner, and most of the time, um, if you're running like a real sort of spearhead of these guys, you're quite likely to have the, the plus one fight value as well. Takes these guys up to fight five, which is yeah, really tasty. Uh, then we've got the Forlong reroll ones to wound, um, and the Angbor fearless buff as well. Maybe you're going to see that a bit less, a bit less often, but certainly with Imrahil and, and Forlong yeah, they turn into into um, combat monsters. So we couldn't put them quite as high as these knights of Minas Tirith, just because they're they're way less efficient. They don't bring anything uh, in terms of offense and defense that the, the knights don't bring. Uh, but, you know, they are, they are great. You're going to want to have a few of them in, in almost all uh, fiefdoms lists and that they're, they're super solid all around.
1: Couldn't agree more. They're absolutely awesome. Uh, when they're stacked up with all of the buffs from the wonderful fiefdom synergies, they're really powerful. You can also run them in the boromir Hill combo list to get them to fight six. I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. that's correct. I haven't mathed that out for a while. Um, so it, yeah, but it's, it's doable. Tricky to do, but but certainly, you know, lethal. Um, but, yeah, obviously, they, they, they cost a lot, um, but they do have that armoured horse as well, which means they are going to be delivered a little more safely to the front lines. Uh, you know, one of their horses shot out for them as likely uh, against strength two bows. So, yeah, I, I really rate them, but, yes, they are expensive, so you're not going to have a lot of them. Uh, yeah, what are they mounted? They're 19 points these days, I think. Uh, 20 with a lance. Jesus, 20. Yeah, they're, they're certainly... That's the same as the Son of Ale these days. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, they're, they're expensive, but when used, you know, you're not going to take a horde of them. They're, they're they're all about playing a role within that fiefdom's army and uh, hitting hard and, and hitting hard.
2: Yeah, I think if you think of these guys as sort of luxury, premium Knights of Minas Tirith, then you won't go far wrong. Yeah,
0: I think the biggest difference here is that uh, these guys Always have Ibrahim, because of that silly twelve-inch banner and the fact that he is—he's is an auto taken the list, whereas Boromir is not always taken in a Gondor list. Now he's—he's he's there enough times to say he might as well be. But I feel like I would probably rate these guys. I, I look—I'm happy with the A minus. I'm actually happy with that. I just—I think uh, they are—they are better than the non-Boromir knights of Minas Tirith. Uh, but yeah, I agree. If you are me that Boromir is hanging around the Knights of Minas Tirith, I think these are probably on par. And as much hate as I've given for the fiefdoms, I don't mind these plastic models. I think they fixed up proportions just a little bit enough to make them there. And I am, this year, my top secret army, which I'm not going to talk about here, perhaps maybe we will include some of these guys with some some very intricate uh, designs on their, their clothes. So I don't mind these guys getting that sort of mark.
2: Yeah, interesting. I think I think you're right. You're almost never going to see these guys without Imrahil around.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Ah, uh, the next one.
2: Right, Rider of the Dead. So here you'll see maybe a little bit of um, penalty from the fact that we we don't weight defense as highly as we we, we might have done. Um, what you'll see here, we gave him a C minus, and the real Achilles heel with these guys is, is their fight three. They've got all this kill power, and you know if they win the dual roll against most things, they they're gonna kill it most of the time, especially with Harbinger. But um, you know they really really struggle on their killing power just because getting through that dual role is a is a uphill struggle for these guys. Uh, they've got terror which is great. Um, we can't model that into the stats, but that's a huge thing to consider if you're um you know if you're throwing them off to grab objectives or uh, to hold the line. But uh, in terms of you know getting getting things done, they they came out quite poorly.
0: Yeah, I I think the issue I have with these ones is that they're all almost always in a list that has a lot of access to heroic moves. So the Aragorns that they usually hang around with is really helpful. They, their job is essentially to go and, and provide the knockdown for those sort of characters when they're on attack. So they're not actually usually fighting on their own. They're usually fighting with one of those superheroes or they're capturing objectives. There's no, well, there might be some better capture objectives, but they are phenomenally good at that. The Terror is really, really good. But there's also, mm-hmm. um, your, your stats don't take into account like multiple rounds of combat. So these guys, Mm -hmm. I feel like, would rate higher if they were, if you took, say, three rounds of combat or four rounds of combat because they are really, really tough to kill. And even even their horse is really tough to kill. So taking them off their horse is tricky. And they do tend to grind it out. And they often get the charge because of the way they play. And the the rule that we cannot include at all whatsoever is their their love for water. This is the one cavalry model. You can sit in a puddle of water and no one can charge them because they don't have the movement and they can go and, Get to anyone they like, and that is incredibly effective and really, really dangerous for everyone, including heroes. So, I would, I don't think I'd give them an A, but they are the, probably one of the best models in that army, the dead list. I would be pushing this up to a B if I guess if we could include some of the other stuff.
2: I think there's an argument there, yeah. And, and so, yeah, we did give them a C just because they are they're really limited in their, their kill and defense power. But, like you say, they've got these little extra uh, cherries on top that uh, you do need to consider. And you're going to put them in almost every uh, ghost list just because of what they do bring to the table, even though, you know, they're not the most efficient cavalry and they have this crazy, crazy high points cost.
0: Uh, I'll take five in every ghost army I take. They are, they are that five. good. Yep. Take five.
1: Jeremy does love his Riders of the Dead. We've been seeing a lot of, uh, you know, Return of the King Legendary Legion lists, particularly around the 750, 800 point mark. And, and it's always like that first question is, okay, you're running right. uh Return of the King, uh, are you taking two or are you taking four, Riders of the Dead? So yeah, it's sort of like that. There's a couple of fixed builds built all around how many there are, but they're they're solid units. I agree with the B. As we talk through some of these more interesting profiles that have these underlying mechanics that we haven't been able to address with the um, kind of mathematical analysis that has been done by Dan and the guys, uh, it kind of, it's getting my brain worrying about ways we could bring in like extra kind of (laughs) computational elements like percentage chance to be countercharged, because of course Terra would you know negate that for an average model of average courage? And oh man, the things we could compute if we had time. Wow, we could, <laughs> we could build this an SVG super calculator! Yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I'm salivating.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and when you say we, well, you, we... You, you want to source it off to Dan and I, and then you're gonna reap yeah, the benefits yeah, yeah. and do a video on it. Is that right?
1: I am more well, than happy to come that, and yeah. talk about it after you've done <laughs> all the hard work. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, the next one is the ride of the Rohan and uh, oh, these models, these models go for it, Dan.
2: So uh, yeah, like we said, the the bow we call it a bow tax in the article. It does damage their their efficiency in terms of killing and being killed, but they they come out okay. So the important thing to bear in mind with these guys is that you know you're going to be seeing them in a theodin list probably more often than not. Uh, so they do you know they get their strength bonus on the charge, they get their fight bonus a, a decent amount of the time. So when when you're considering that they'll have those things up a lot, they yeah they come out pretty pretty well. So they've got their, their skirmishing, so that's not something we factor into the numbers. But even even bow use aside, they come up pretty well. Uh, they've got axes, so you've got your potential strength four on the charge. We gave them a B-. minus. And the other part of this is the, uh, the throwing spears as well. Throwing spears are great. Mm. So they actually uh, increase the model's efficiency per point quite a lot. You might think you're, you know, you're paying more to, uh, to have a more specialized model. But no, both in terms of offense and defense, the spears really, really do help them out. So they turn them into a much more uh, much more efficient model.
0: Lachlan, I'm going to let you have the last word on this one. I'll just say a little bit about them because I know you probably want to talk about these guys. Dive in. I have no problem with with bees for these guys. They, I think, they're really good cavalry models, and they've I think they've been solid for the the whole game, and they are they are still very solid. Lachlan, go for it
1: yeah the the maths is absolutely out on throwing spears people who refuse to admit to throwing spears are phenomenal just absolutely baffles me so couldn't agree more there i think a b is a really good rating for these guys they've got their role they're really effective i think it'd be really fun to have a look at some of the maths if we developed like a, a scenario that was like if skirmishing models were able to like shoot twice before entering you know add that computational step in and see how that affected their kind of kill per points so that's what are we going to affect there that's the Rider of Rohan that's the uh, the Kandish Horseman uh, the Haradrim Raider so any any cavalry. Yes, Citadel Guard, of course, which we just talked about. So it'll be cool to see how those numbers play. So there's more homework for you, Dan.
2: Um, (laughs) Yeah, we we did like doing something like that. We thought about putting in uh, for sure one and maybe two rounds of shooting before you get to combat. I think the only reason we didn't is just because then you know it's going to affect depending on whether you do kill that model. It's going to completely change what you decide to do with the with the shooting model. Do you charge it somewhere else? Do you bring it over here instead? True. Absolutely. Definitely, term, you know, yeah, yeah. definitely,
1: lots of factors. If we do do it, I reckon it should be one round of shooting at normal shoot value and one round of shooting at minus one movement penalty. Because now we're getting, you know, we're starting to. Mm-hmm, I'm getting into this. Okay, so other, <laughs> other than that, the the riders are Rohana, yeah, they're they're fantastic. They play their role. There you can get so many of them because, of course, the bow limit doesn't apply. Uh, and yeah, strength five on the charge when you have the models with uh, with axes. It's it's actually it's actually really surprisingly lethal at times. Uh, I mean, there's so, yeah, the way they factor into heroic combats, yeah, they're, they're great. I think a solid B is very fair.
0: Yep.
2: No, yeah, no, I think they are great. In the article, we call them a Swiss army knife of a, a cavalry model, and I think that's that's really true.
0: And I think if that's the baseline B, I think it's really good for the comparison point of view because I can see them being a B, which gives you some room to move above with the B pluses and A's and A minuses and things like that, but also room to go down. And none of the cavalry are going to be an F, I don't think. Maybe they will be later on, but I feel like a B there is is solid and I think we base all our comparisons around comparing them to the right of the Rohan, which is probably the, the most common and the most... Uh, the most seen Rohan model it comes in the, the starter set. It's been in, in the game for a long, long time and it's just really good.
2: Yep, yeah, agree. They're they just plain old middle can do a bit of everything. The Royal Guard. Royal Guard, yeah, very cool. So they, they're just like riders of Rohan, but you strip out all of the, you know, the flexibility and the the little tricks they have. Just turn them into straight, good offensive, good defensive models. We gave them an A just because they're really specialized. You wanna charge them in. You want to be using them to kill things and not get killed. They're just, yeah, they're just great. And with the spears as well, they turn into, into monsters.
0: Lachlan, I'm going to agree with whatever you say, so go for it.
1: Yeah, so we need to start using like the Greek alphabet or something here to go way above <laughs> A, man. Uh, Rohan, <laughs> Rohan Royal Guard, where it's at. I'm basically exclusively playing Rohan these days, and you don't see a single uh, rider of Rohan in my list. It's all about these boys, unless I'm running A the Young, then a few riders might come to town. But uh, yeah, the, the Rohan Royal Guard, man, they're just they're nuts. Every single one of them will have a throwing spear. They fight five all the time. As long as you've kept Théoden in the right spot, they're just. Absolutely phenomenal. The only thing they lose, of course, is that they're never going to have that capacity to go to strength five because they don't have the poor man's lance, the old axe with piercing strike. But yeah, the throwing spears, the defense six, the bodyguard uh, army of the dead is just not a problem. They're yeah, they're really really powerful. But in saying that, I'm often not running that many of them. There's usually only twelve or maybe fifteen <laughs> at a thousand points because I'm cramming in seven or eight heroes. So. um, yeah, they're, they're they're super effective. They work in in sort of uh, in tandem with all the other parts of the Rohan list. Yeah, a triple plus for me.
2: Yeah, right. I've, yeah, yeah.
0: I've been playing Rohan. Well, not playing. I've been painting a lot of Rohan and playing against a lot of Rohan. And these guys, I feel like the limit is that the models cost money to buy and they they are tricky to paint because of all the detail on them. Because they are just phenomenal. They are like I think the royal, the writers of Rohan are good. These guys are, are just so, so good. The throwing spear, even if they fight four and you don't have it, even if you're going for a different kind of Rohan list, which no one ever does, but if you go for a different Rohan list, still they they do exactly the job. I was glowing about the Citadel Guard for their fight, uh, sorry, their bodyguard beforehand. These guys are the hitters and they have the bodyguard and when they get dismounted, which happens quite a lot because it's so hard to get through the defense six, they're still very useful and they're still at the end of the game. They're always there annoying you, just spiting you at the end of the game with their throwing spear and their shield and, oh, they're so good.
2: They are really good. I, I play a lot of chariots and the number of times I've had a chance can't get through a, a Royal Guard model and you just sat there turn after turn banging off them. They are uh, they're crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. They they and they're really nice models. Look, I've got I've got nothing against the Royal Guard. I think I think they they're good. The only thing is that they they they're significantly more than the riders of Rohan in points. So at times mm-hmm. when you just need to build up your numbers, you don't always take maximum of them because you just need some numbers to do everything, but but when you've got the points, oh, you've got the points. Jeremy, oh, not, anymore. Um... not
1: anymore. Not anymore. Really? They're only one point more expensive now. Remember, they used to be an extra two or three. They're they're only a point oh, more that's now. It's, that's dumb. It's nuts. It's yeah. nuts. Yeah.
0: Okay. Now that that is, I haven't done all the numbers on the new new ones, but yeah, I I, I will be getting some more of those.
1: <laughs> Seventeen points per model with throwing spear. That's still three points cheaper than a knight of Dol Amroth. It's crazy.
0: Yeah, and and probably better than a knight of Dol Amroth in every way. Oh no, not the yeah, horse. The horse so. is a bit squishier. Okay, the next one is another Rohan model, and this is the one that, I don't know, I haven't seen around for quite a while.
2: Yeah, so I've got the, the Rohan Outrider. We gave it a, a C+, plus, and it really is just built around the bow. It's got that 3-plus shoot value. Um, but in terms of the, the charge stats, that really does does uh, give them a hammering.
0: Yeah, talk about a fall from grace. These guys used to be able to, they used to be heroes and they used to get the gambling power up. So they started with no might and were able to get one so that you had people who had whole armies of them. Um, and now they, you don't see them a whole lot. They've got one advantage over the other stuff in that they can operate pretty well. Far away, uh, when your royal guard, when their hero dies, if the hero dies, but when the hero dies, the bodyguard disappears. Whereas these guys have a rule where they can be looking at standfasts from the other side of the board, so they're they're pretty solid objective grabbers. They're pretty solid uh, shooters, but the uh, the the lack of a shield really does make a difference. I've noticed.
1: Yeah, I, I actually ran some recently a couple of weekends ago in a 300 point Rohan list where I was running AL the Young and Sons, and I had a contingent of Sons, and then used that kind of bow limit pad that it gave me to take out riders, and then filled the central core with riders. Um, and it's yeah, it's really nice having that three plus shoot value sitting way out on the flanks with Vanguard, knowing you're going to be holding those objective, but still really contributing uh, with that three plus shoot value to the to the war effort. So they've certainly got their role in niche lists and we I, uh, we see them a little bit in uh, the new Theodred's Guard Legendary Legion can take them as well so uh, often players are running a whole bunch of Helmingas in, in kind of unit blocks with, uh, with the other various kind of Rohan foot contingents from that part of the army so people can find Bow limit space to take some outriders there as well, so they're seeing a little bit more play than they did maybe you know six to twelve months ago. Um, but yeah, they're certainly not the uh, the crazy zero zero and one point of fate heroic stats that they used to be. in. Jeez, when did that come out, Jeremy? That would have been two thousand and seven, maybe
0: a bit of a long time ago. And they were they were all the rage. You get people to take like twenty of them in an army. And the way they went. But the thing is, this one actually, you, sometimes, unfortunately, you see it more as a as a foot model than a cavalry model. So you see the Outwalker because it's it's better value than the the Bowman. So, unfortunately, the Rowan Outriders, not very often. Rowan Outwalkers, yeah, you see them a bit.
2: Very true, the Outwalker. The Outwalker. Sons of Eol. Sons of a right. So um, very similar to uh, Royal Guard, but just a bit more specialized. So if you're taking them, it's going to be, you know, the, Aeol, the Young list. Um, they do have this crazy, crazy offensive potential with the the strength six on the charge. If you're if you're using your piercing strike, so they, they can really do things that the uh, the royal guard can't quite do. Uh, but they, they just are a little bit more you know niche in their application. Uh, so we, we gave them an A minus. But they are they are still they ticking most of the same boxes as the royal guard, and they're very very solid.
0: With these guys, yes, you can pretty much only score them with Ael the Young. Here, they they would get a pretty pretty low score if they didn't have him. But with him, these guys basically have the hitting power of heroes, uh, and and even better than heroes at, at some points for an incredibly reasonable price. Um, you say they they can turn into monsters; they can go kill monsters. They can do that much damage output. And I, I once again feel that these guys are. Um, a little bit shafted because of the the, the no real high defense ones because I think that's where they shine. If there's a Vault Warden team or anything like that, these guys go chop them down and, and deal with it really well. So I think they're, they're really good. I think they're the Sons of Aeol version of the Royal Guard essentially, which we rate really high. I rate these guys just as high in the list. They are that valuable. They are the one model that will displace Royal Guard in the, that, that, the Rohan list. So if you're taking Aeol the Young, I take these guys over Royal Guard. They are so, so impressive. Yeah, absolutely agree. (laughs)
1: Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Of course, in like 2017, we would see that Sons of Aeol were in every single Rohan list because, of course, they were two attacks all the time. They didn't have Mm. to be near Aeol the Young. And, of course, there was no army bonuses back then. So, people could take Aeol the Young and Aeoma and Erkenbrand and have uh, courage six Sons of Aeol with the plus two. So, uh, (laughs) yeah, they were absolute mental in the old days. And now we never see them because no one really runs Aeol the Young because his list – loses effectiveness sort of beyond really 400 points when you know compared with the other legendary legions we now have access to but at smaller points values when you're running ale these guys are absolutely insane jeremy's spot on the damage output is absolutely crazy i um I yeah I ran four of them last weekend and they killed Groblog in one turn with a single one charging them a- and the thing is between this edition and last edition they dropped two points so now they're still as good as they were if they're with ale. But they're only twenty points now instead of twenty two so yeah they yeah a another A triple plus for me, as long as they're with uh you know the uh, the lovely a older young, uh, but yeah, otherwise take royal guard Dan is spot on there,
0: yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely yeah that, that I think that's fair and look we we we're genie a bit Lachlan, and we're going above this a level as well, like I think Dan was limited in that he could go only go to an A plus and we've just said like, oh, we don't care, we're going to go to an a plus 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 plus. <laughs>
1: Yeah, the sons of AOL are A, phi, gamma, epsilon plus, so, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that's we've got a bit more flexibility. That, that's what happens when you're on a podcast. You don't have to be as reasonable as someone on a blog.
2: Yeah, we can just have opinions. <laughs> yeah, this is in writing. This stuff sticks around.
0: That's that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can bring it to your next job interview and, and use it.
2: Yeah, perfect. And then I'll show them the uh, the podcast.
0: Oh no! Don't do that. Not for us. No, no, no. I'm going for the job. <laughs> it's a Riverdale Knights. These ones, I'm yeah interested about the score.
2: Yeah. Okay. So if there's one that was going to ruffle some feathers, I expected it. And they just don't come out quite as uh, as top tier on the on the points the uh, you know the point value, just because they you know they're really really expensive models. But I mean, they've got great shooting, great charge with their lances and their Flight five five, uh, pretty pretty great defense as well. They have non-armored horses, but they're still still pretty great. So they're just uh, they're up there with Knights of Dalaran. They do a similar thing, except obviously they have that crazy, crazy shooting. If you want to, if you want to maximize them on that as well, uh, so really, really great models. But they don't get quite the efficiency that some of the some of the raw point and shoot cavalry do.
0: You've said, do I think they're the best cavalry in the game? No, I think they make a case for it just because this is a whole army of cavalry that do everything. Like this, this army can can walk through heroes, it can walk through troops, it can walk through monsters, it can pretty much uh, do what it's like. You, you get a get them backing up a really heavy hitting elf character like a a Gil-galad or a, an Elrond or something like that, and they they just go to work. And I think the um the no bow limit count if you take Elrond is. Uh, very, very impressive. So I, I, these guys, guys are tricky. I feel like in the hands of a good player, they are well above the a plus level, but I think for most people, they probably, that a level is probably about right.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think Jeremy's spot on. There's, um, you know, you can you can do some crazy stuff with Rivendell Knights. in In the last edition, the famous Ed Ball of the Great British Hobbit League, I'm sure Dan p- probably knows. Um, we don't, not personally, not yet. Anyway, uh, and um, he he was an absolute fiend, dominating the scene and winning title after title with his famous flying circus list with fell beasts. And then when the new edition came out, he uh, rifled through the pages of the the new supplements and said, "Wow, look at those guys there for me and Rivendell Knights." Have and under uh, under Ed's stewardship, have been dominating uh, dominating Britain. And when you see what some people who are really experienced in using Riv lists can do, obviously synergizing with Elrond's Wrath of Bruinen, uh, and you know there's heaps of different things you can do. Bring in extra Gandalf or Radagast for extra knockdowns, or you know. Good old Glorfindel, even, or, or bring in other High Lords. Yeah, Riv knights are so versatile; they're the ultimate Swiss Army knife, but they're also amazing at everything. So um, mm-hmm. they do they do pay for it. Uh, what are they? Twenty two points each, I think, with the shield. Um, so they can be uh, they can be expensive, but sometimes you only need a, a, a very few. But very excellent troops. I I hesitate to say whether they're the best or not the best, but they're they're definitely up there. They're phenomenal. I yeah, I've been drawn to them myself many times. I have several boxes unopened, ready to go, but I haven't got there yet. <laughs> I think
2: before yeah, this is the thing they... Where they, they they kind of um, it's a, it's a case of we're looking at them in context versus. And I think in there's any number of different ways you can really make them sing. And and when you're factoring in the alliances and the magic, yeah, they probably do turn into. The, the most high performing cavalry in the game on their raw stats and efficiency they they don't quite take the top spot very true very true dan
0: yeah the the, the one thing that this this analysis is missing and we talked about it before is the um the, the light cavalry ability these guys are heavy and light cavalry at the same time so you've got mm-hmm. the ability at the ride of the rohan but better to run around and dance and avoid and that sort of stuff and then you hit hard as anything else in this list Pretty much, except maybe the the Mahood Camels or something like that. So, I I just they are scary to face against. They're the one army where you almost cheer when you kill a single model because it's just mm-hmm. so hard to catch them for a start, and then it's so hard to, to pin them down and get go against them. It's are it, oh, that I still they're the, they're an army that I find really difficult to play, and that in, like Rohan's tough as anything and amazing at the moment now. But uh, yeah, that's that's uh, probably the one cavalry army that I could see pipping them. Potentially, potentially. I don't know if they are the best or not at the moment, but they are they are so good. So um, yeah, I think I think basically they're just their all round ability is not reflected in the scores as much as some of the other stuff, so um, it, but just the fact that they're so high in just hitting power is, is says a lot. Very true. The next one, the Gladrum Knight, the uh the poor cousin of the Rivendell Knight.
2: Yeah, the poor man's Riv Knight, yeah. So they, they don't get the bow, they don't get the lance, they keep the fight five, but they really don't have a huge amount else going for them. Yeah, they get an armor. I mean, I think you'd rather have the lance every time.
0: They make excellent conversion fodder for for Galadrim heroes on horse. This is true. <laughs> um, I don't mind them. They're they're good cavalry. Like you say, not all ca- none of the cavalry is bad. They're not bad, but like they're just so much different to their to their Rivendell cousins, and that's mainly due to due to the lance. Uh, the discount Fleetfoot's okay. Fleetfoot, like, depending on what board you're playing on, it's pretty good. I don't mind them, but. They just, they just don't hold a candle to them. I think I would go higher than, than the C for them because the fight value is really good still. But mm-hmm. they, I guess most people's opinion of them is they're not particularly great. What do you think, Lachlan?
1: Yeah, I mean, Fight 5 is still great, and, and Fleetfoot, again, situational, but yeah, there's certainly, there's certainly no Rivendell Knights. Um, I feel like, you know, they probably have a place in the Lothlorien army, depending on how you're building it. I haven't played them extensively myself, but um, yeah, certainly. So, I mean, they're still pretty pricey as well, aren't they? Aren't they up in the 2021 mark or something?
2: They um, are one bit come- less than Rivendell Knights.
1: Yeah, twenty-one points. Yeah, crikey that that really does put them in stark contrast, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a, a strictly strictly worse, as Dan has has rightly said. Uh, so yeah, uh, yeah, maybe they've got a role in their army, but uh, looking on the raw stats as and, and that is all Dan is doing is is you know not taking into account a lot of these contextual factors with his his grading. So we have to um, you know uh, take that into account too. But um, yeah, I, th- I think that's a pretty fair score.
0: Mm, yeah, yeah. Look, I would probably go a little bit higher than that just because like Fight 5 Cav is Fight 5 Cav it's still Fight 5 Cav, yeah. it's, it's very useful and and what, what we haven't taken into consideration is going at those captain level heroes which Cav love doing, like these guys scare orc captains for example whereas a, a Minas Tirith Knight might not, you might survive that one but you won't survive these guys potentially uh, but I, I, it's probably a fair score, maybe may slightly low but not much. And we move on to the Orc Tracker
2: yeah, Orc Tracker. So um yeah, good kill power per point, uh, but absolutely horrible survivability. So I think if you're taking them, it's uh it's gonna be for that for their shooting. So we, we gave them the B minus just because they they're already built around that bow. But they they, they just die. If they get charged or if you charge, and they're still quite likely to die.
0: Yeah, they they really do operate well in that sort of wag rider skirmish uh, role, but I I actually don't really like that the, the defense value. I I go for the normal wag riders, but I know that some of the other members of the podcast, Kylie and Matt especially, would argue for these guys quite a bit. They're dirt cheap. They're they're good shooting for for or quite frankly, so they they do a role there and they can do a lot of jobs. So I think it's probably a fair score, Lachlan.
1: Yeah, I kind of rarely see them really, especially not mounted as cav. Occasionally, I'll see some on foot, um, but yeah, not not wagged up as per se. So it, it's a it's a four plus shoot value for the trackers, isn't it? It's just a one upgrade yes, to yes, the yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, certainly it's the same sort of model as like a Citadel Guard or an Outrider, where they can sit on objectives up the back and and still affect the fight. But they've got that shorter bow at eighteen inches, and of course they don't have bodyguard or vanguard, so that role is more difficult for. Them, so maybe it's all about dictating some, some of where the fight takes place with 5. Yeah, I don't rate them particularly. Um, I think there's probably uh, the, the extra armor for the wild rider is probably more useful, although I don't usually like to disagree with Kylie, <laughs> um, but I don't mind agreeing with Jeremy. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's yeah, that we I rarely see them, and I think we can see why.
0: Yeah, look, yeah. Uh, I think it's also one of the like the city of Lugan, suffers because they don't have a dedicated model. So you get some people proxying them, but um, it, it's it's tricky the ones that don't actually have a model as well. And we move on to the WAG rider. So still with our WAG rider theme.
2: Yeah, so I, th- I think for me that there's just a much stronger case to take these most of the time. They just have much more flexibility. They've got their throwing spears, which really um, sort of supercharges their, their killing power. Um, they're just, yeah, they're great all-round models. Really, really strong. Uh, we gave them an A-minus a- with their spears. I just think they're they're, they're great all-rounders.
0: Wow, this is this is a tricky one. Wag riders are like a few of them probably not an issue at all, but these guys really shine when you get them on mass. So the fact that you could take a lot of them means that they can do some real damage. I agree with it. Throwing spears have gotten so much better now, so I, I probably agree with these scores. They're they're pretty there, and you've mentioned the agma riders. Agmar riders are just insanely good, so they they would. They will kick it up quite a bit because Terra mm-hmm. really is that good. So Terra on a rider means that, like, a few guys are going to just not charge them and let them charge on a turn. You don't have priority, and that's really useful. So I think this is probably a fair score as well.
1: Yeah, it's interesting that when obviously we've got a five plus shoot value as opposed to a four plus when we're comparing our. Classic throwing spear models, but uh, so you're losing a little bit of that gain. But even so, with a five plus throwing that spear on the way in, Dan's noted here that that increases their percentage kill by over five percent. Well, that's a huge impact every time you're hurling a spear. Uh, so yeah, even even on wild riders, they're so great. Um, I, I obviously use them the most when I'm running Angmar, and and I don't take them on mass there. I like having them just you know a sprinkling through to help get that cav charge and and, and block out with the. Uh, with the rest of that army there so there's lots of different ways that you can run them whether it's uh in the uh on mass in Sharku's horde even we uh we saw it with war in rohan um but uh yeah they're i think they're they're just so cheap for like orcs are still great they're still attacks and when you put orcs on wargs, they're so cheap for what they can do
0: and then you've got the bonus here, which is probably not included, where the wag can can survive on its own as well, as a nice little bonus. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's that does kick them up a little bit. I like as a direct comparison to Rohan, the B minor sort of level. I think that's probably around that, right? But that wag yep. is, is a quality mount, like strength four, and the ability to hang around is is surprisingly good. And sometimes this is like like I'm going to say with another one later on. This is one of the few cavalry models that that you might have a go tactically at dismounting because it might benefit you.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. I, I sort of um, thought of these as, as the evil counterpart to, to Riders of Rohan. They can do a lot of the same things. You know, they, they prioritize their, their offensive power a little bit more and their shooting a little bit less. But yeah, they're cheap. They're good. They're all-rounders. They're, they're just a good choice.
0: Mm, I agree. The Morgul Knights are definitely not cheap. What do you think of these ones?
2: Surprisingly cheap for what they do. I think they're, what, like 18 points with the uh, with the lance?
0: Oh, wow, they're that low now. I thought they were in the
2: 20s, yeah. but no, you could be right. I, th- I think they are. I think they are 18. Yeah, really great. I mean, what what can you say that's bad about them? They, they're they kind of like uh, evil Knights of Delanroth. They cause terror. They're absolutely horrifying. Fight four, defense six, uh, plus one to wound with the lance. Yeah, absolutely terrifying. Great, great models. We gave them an A.
0: What I can say about them is their dismounts are atrocious. But other than that... Um, I, I think these guys are pretty good. I think the, the biggest issue is that you can't take them in massive numbers because they are they do eat up your points a fair bit. And the, the way the evil army's played, they don't particularly want to have heaps and heaps and heaps of them unless you're going for a very specific design, like a Dark Marshal-led one. But Terror on a heavy cavalry model, like The Rise of the Dead, is really, really valuable. And they hit hard as well. They're, they're, they're really mm-hmm. good models.
1: It's funny because like, you look at them on paper and they're 18 points, they've come down a bit so they're cheaper now and they do all of these things but you just don't see them that much. I don't, at the least, you know. In the, uh, I, I'm playing obviously in my local community, but I also check in with a lot of tournaments and lists around the world. And I don't know. There's something about the way people are doing Mordor builds these days. Is you do seem a bit, but you, I, I, yeah, they look great. They're, they're basically, like Dan says, they're evil Dol Amroth, but they've got terror. They've still got the lances. They've still got the fight for the armored horses are there. There maybe it's something about the way their battlefield role operates within the main kind of variations of Mordor or Baradua lists. Um, yeah, it's yeah weird, but um, yeah, they, they're they're solid, absolutely.
0: Just too many choices yeah, in the mortal no list. To me. Yeah, you know, I think they're really good. Too many choices in the mortal list. You've got so much. That's like the biggest list in the game, or or close to it. If it's not, so I feel like they get a little bit lost in that, and because they don't feature in the the movies, or I don't think they do. I feel like it's one that's. Um, overlooked. It's interesting to have a plastic model of a model that didn't feel, fin- didn't go in the movie. Is there any other ones like that? I'm not sure. Oh, Galadrum Knights.
1: Yeah, Galadrum Knights, true. Yeah, when when they were doing that range expansion, I suppose leading up to War of the Ring, I think they started bringing out mm, the plastic yes. cav kits for every faction. Um, so uh, back yeah, when they had a the little yeah, yeah, true. Well, yeah, they, they missed out entirely, didn't they, in the movie, but that's okay. Uh, yeah, I think uh, back when there was a little bit more licensing freedom uh, with uh, being able to bring out extra extra models and things, when New Line were happy to just take the coin and not worry too much.
0: I I think there's probably still as much licensing freedom. I think it's just the focus of the company. Like, I'm probably sh- pretty sure the models from the movies sell better, so... I think that might be, might be more of a, a choice because we're getting lots of heroes that aren't from the movies at all. We're getting our Dalgamars and our Goroths and all this sort of stuff that they've come up with. So I'm sure there's still the freedom to, to come up with what you like.
2: We would hope. We would hope.
0: Dunlady horsemen. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, so yeah, horsemen. Horseman. Um, so they take a few of the same boxes as the riders. They've got the Strength 4. They've still got the Fight 3. They don't have the Throwing Spears, which does, does really hurt them. Uh, but they're so, so cheap. Uh, they can kill horses. Uh, very very easily and yeah they're just they're solid cheap cavalry they've got the axes as well so strength five that's that's something mm. for them so yeah I, I see a use for these guys uh, we gave them a b
0: they they almost make this Dun list like the donen list has now become very good from being being very average or very below average I, mm. I think they're great absolutely and and I think that anytime you see a done list you're probably going to see some number of these guys that I can't wait to get my hands on them when I when I do my Dunlin list again. So they they just seem to be very very valuable choices. That that sort of twelve thirteen fourteen point range is just such a good value for cavalry models because you can throw five mm-hmm. in for almost no cost, and you're gonna you're gonna get value out of that no matter what cavalry they are. And these guys with their extra strength bonus, uh, they they really are a bit scary. And then there's some Dunlin bonuses around as well with that big banner that they have potentially and some other stuff going on. So. Yeah, I I do rate them. They're good.
1: I'm going to dis- disagree completely with with Jeremy, and that is that the old Dunland list didn't used to be not very good. It used to be absolutely awful, and <laughs> then everything else I agree with. Um, yeah, they're, they're not, like, mind-blowingly good, but they're 12 points, and the role that they fill in the Dunland army is what makes them amazing. They do exactly what Dunland needs, the Legendary Legion. It all it all fits together, the new heroes. Yeah, they're an important piece of the puzzle, and they're uh, they yeah really, really cool to see some Dunland Cav. The one thing... I I really like actually my light bulb moment here is the fact that they're not so mind-blowingly good doesn't incentivize players to take an army of Dunland cavalry which of course doesn't exist because Dunland's horses were very rare it was mainly mm. for nobles or, or kind of important people within the Dunland clan structure so I like the fact that Jay has Made them slot in and be powerful in in a nice little small amount of numbers, but it doesn't incentivize you to take a horde, which is of course
2: unthematic.
0: Yeah, fair call. I still probably would run a horde.
2: <laughs> of course you would.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> R.I.P. Your wallet. These things are expensive.
0: Yeah, no, no, no. That 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 would be the issue. I might have to do some um, Rohan conversions, some of like that. I've got heaps of spare riders of Rohan. I might be able to do some some press moulding and things like that to get them to look similar. Yeah,
2: yeah. Good call. Mm-hmm.
0: Ah, uh, the the interesting character here, the Wag Marauder.
2: Yeah, really weird one. So full full disclosure, I've never used one. One, uh, I, I, this is a bit of an unknown quantity to me. But if we're just coming down to the numbers, yeah, really really strange model. They they get a four attacks on the charge. Um, their main sort of uh, restricting thing here is is their fight three, which really limits their ability to to win that jewel roll and bring those four attacks to the table. Um, their bows, you know, who even knows how you model those? Two bows even while in combat. Fantastic, brilliant, but uh, but they don't really affect the numbers. Um, the the big other thing to consider here is the fact that they're they're absolutely not being taken off the table. In turn, in this scenario, the maximum number of attacks they can get against them is uh, is two attacks, which is, is never going to take off a marauder. Um, and the the other big thing you want to consider is what well, you've got the terror, and then the fact that if you if you run to an objective and dismount these guys, that's a huge amount of board control uh, which you're getting quite easily. So um, we gave them the B minus. They You know, they're they're weirdly all round kind of models, but yeah, very, very, very weird ones as far as the stats are concerned.
0: Lachlan, do you have you experienced these guys very often?
2: Yeah, let's leap
1: in. Um... They are not something that I played or have played against a lot. In fact, I think my first real encounter with them was at this same tournament that I was running, my Sons of Ale, uh, sort of four weeks ago now. And just in case, because they're not the most commonly seen, uh, I might, I'll try and run through how their profile works for the listeners, because it's a weird one. Essentially, if you're not familiar with the model, it's a wag with three goblins on it. Um, when they're in combat and all the goblins are intact, they get, I think it's four attacks on the charge two of two of those goblins have bows and they can also shoot in the shooting phase into the combat they're fighting i think uh and they also cause terror um so they're they're a bit wild they can do all sorts of shenanigans things like dan was alluding to where if you dismount the three dudes and the wag stays around that's four models you've got controlling an objective or running off the board if you're playing recon uh we've seen that a fair bit so they're they're bizarre in what they can do but they are about 30 or 35 points so they are expensive but yeah they're just they're just monsters they're just absolute monsters so i think in, in, you know, I, I probably wouldn't take an army of them because of their price point and they can still be a bit fragile um, but they do get a defense buff as well, I'm pretty sure. They go up to D5. Um, so, there's yeah, they're, they're just so versatile. They can do all sorts of crazy stuff and they can get in there a big bag of tricks which slots really well uh, into the Moria list. There's, you know, lots of cow, uh, lots of uh, monsters, sorry, you know, trolls and there's bat swarms around and then all the different prowler bits and pieces. I, I think they're really cool and they can work really well uh with all the gobbo magic and gobbo mischief
0: yeah these guys on uh, mass they are incredibly scary tim recently well not recently a few years ago probably ran like six of them in an army and goblins can afford to do that because goblins cost nothing so these guys with six of them they've got so many wounds and they've got the terror and they hit like hard they hit really hard they got lots of attacks mm-hmm. Uh, they they are really hard to get rid of. One okay, you can deal with one quite easily because of the low fight value. But when you have a bunch of them, and you don't have access to all your heroes to take them down. These guys are just killers. If you lose a combat against them, you go down. So I would B minus is probably about right for them. But I feel like they almost get better the more you have. So if you if you kick up for for that many, you're probably pushing towards like a an A minus a- level sort of guy because they are they are that scary to deal with. They they get that sort of almost sort of chariot type effect where you just have to have something to deal with them. You cannot let them do their own thing because they'll go and win a game for the, for the goblin army.
2: Yeah, That's, such agree. A go- they are scary.
1: That's such a good point that Jeremy brings up to We're seeing this a lot as we go through this as it's all about, you know, considering the context of the army and not just the individual profiles. I, f- I didn't even think about that. Goblins are so cheap. Which means it doesn't cost you that much to take so many of these. Yeah, fascinating. All the little, all the little considerations you think when you you have to take into account when you're building an army.
2: Yeah, yeah, and these these are killy. Uh, I think looking at the table, these have these have the uh, the third highest offensive uh, rating of anything that we looked at on the on the Umber table. So yeah, if you, if you let them do their own thing, they are going to just run around and hoover at models.
0: Yeah, uh, and even characters like you just you cannot afford to lose a combat against these guys because you just go down.
2: No, eight dives coming in is a is a scary thing.
0: <laughs> so scary. Uh, the cataphract. Very. Easterling cataphract.
2: Easterling cataphracts. Right. Okay. So down towards the bottom end of the tables as as we expected. So we'll be looking at the the, the normal cataphract and the and the black dragon cataract separately because they do tell quite a different story. But for the the normal cataphract, what we have is a, a model that's right down with the 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 models that have you know this heavy bow tacks, these these versatility things that which, which, which drop their score down, except the Cataphracts have none of that. They're just very basic, heavy cavalry, just uh, just very, very bad. So they've, they've got their Fight 3, Strength 3, Defense 6. Yeah, they're, they're quite hard to kill, but they're just really, really poor. Uh, so we gave them a D rating for the, the normal Cataphract. Uh, and with the, with the Black Dragon, it, it does mitigate things quite a bit. It bumps them up to sort of the, the lowish middle of the table, uh, I think the Black Dragon upgrade is, is absolutely mandatory on, on all of them. There's no reason why you wouldn't take it. It helps them in offense and, and defense a huge amount. So, uh, yeah, with Black Dragon Cataphract, okay, yeah, okay, not great. But the, the normal Cataphract is, is absolute rubbish.
0: Uh, I don't know about absolute rubbish. It's just, I think it's just overshine. The defense six is surprisingly useful. They they do stay around quite a bit. No one rates them, which I think is a, a useful thing as well. And they do perform a role in that that army list, but uh, yeah, uh, something, something, something. The war drum is phenomenal. The war drum is really good. The war drum so- is great, yeah, agreed. <laughs> yeah, so that, it's, that, it's good that, that's good. Um, honestly, yes, take the Black Dragon upgrade, which is probably slightly overcosted, but but um, yeah, yeah I, I, I want to disagree. I really want to disagree with you here, but I just can't bring myself to do it.
2: Yeah, the only thing yeah. we haven't mentioned is the they've got that soft shield wall effect, which is it's kind of good against archery, but it's it's not really going to be a, a game changer.
1: Yeah, I think just Jeremy summed up my thoughts beautifully. Something, something, something. War drum.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, the war drum. These guys are an upgrade to the war drum. Essentially, they're just uh, war drum carriers.
1: <laughs> Indeed, war, war drum horses for uh, however many points.
0: The thing is, you need them in the list. Like the Easterling army, it does not function with without hitting power of cavalry. As, a, as an infantry wall, if you take all infantry or even infantry with heroes, you don't have enough. You need them, so you're paying essentially for them. You're, you're paying you're paying more points in the worth essentially. That's what you're doing. They're not terrible. They're not. They, they do a job, but they're in an army where you you absolutely definitely take them. So you you take them. They. They're good. The defense five for the horses is is all right. I think the defense five horses aren't they?
1: Yeah, yeah they're armored yeah. horses, but they benefit from glittering horde as well. So yeah, the defense so they, six
0: they don't get horses. Shot at. So they they, they they do a role. I I do think I I rate the Easterly army a bit higher than a lot of people around, and they are definitely vital to how that works. But you are paying you're paying they, they're they're probably slightly more than they should cost compared to some of the other options that are around the same level. And I think that's really what kills you in the score.
2: Yeah, agreed. Yeah, even without the black dragon upgrade, you'd still want to take a few of them just because they, you know, they they move around a lot and they're hard to kill. But uh, yeah, definitely always take the black dragon.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I, you take some of the black dragon. You probably don't need all of them to have black dragons. So if you're taking a lot of them, you probably want to go fifty-fifty. But the first ones you take, yeah, black dragon upgrade is a
2: good one. Mm, I'm not sure. I thought I think I'd always go black dragon all the time.
0: Hmm. Possibly.
2: Possibly.
1: what's the what's the uh points increase is it two points per model to go black dragon that's for the two, yeah, yeah.
2: it's a weird one it kind of feels like it wants to be one and a half points i think at one there'd be absolutely no there's no decision to be made there you take it all the time two points brings a you know a tough decision into it but it, it still feels a tiny bit on the high side
0: and
1: it's plus one fight value and plus one courage isn't yeah, it
0: yeah that's w- correct yeah. which the problem is a lot of the army lists get it the courage bonus just for nothing and a lot of times, when you're running Eastlings, you've got a War Priest, so the courage isn't particularly relevant either. So you're basically paying for the fight value, and you're getting a bonus that you didn't want.
2: Mm-hmm. True, very true. Yeah, but yeah, and two two points of plus one fight. I mean, fight four versus three is a big, big deal, but still, two points of one fight value does feel a little steep.
0: But it adds up. Like if you're taking ten of the ten cavalry models, suddenly you're paying an extra twenty points, which do, does add up over an army, and and look, I. I can see your argument. I absolutely agree with the argument. The infantry, I, I would definitely debate with you whether that you need the Black Dragon or not. But I, I, Black Dragon does make these guys much more formidable, and I guess it depends what you're fighting as well. Like if you're fighting my ruffians, you've just you ha ha you just paid a fortune for nothing. So um, that's why yeah, I yeah. probably argue that that the upgrade is okay sometimes. But then again, most armies are a defense for with some defense three, essentially, when when you're really fighting them. So, yeah, yeah. Against elves, the the normal ones are just as good as the Black Dragons.
2: Very true, yeah.
0: Okay, the Kandish Horsemen. These ones, I've actually just recorded an episode about Khand. So we talked about these a fair bit. I want to hear your two thoughts on these.
2: Dan? Right, yeah, I'd look forward to that one. Um, I've just started using these guys. They are, well, they're they're skirmishy because they're really squishy, really easy to kill. Uh, they've got their axes, so they can be quite spiky, quite spicy when they when they get into the charge. but um you know they've got that four plus shoot, they've got their bows. Um, so you wanna you wanna be capitalizing on on their skirmishing. Uh, one thing I did consider here is that they are gonna be, I don't know at least as far as I'm concerned, they're gonna be under a, a six inch banner influence most of the time if you've got a, a king or two in in the canned list. So you're looking at a cavalry model which has got you know some really quite scary poten- potential offense. They've got the fight for, they've got the re roll. So, yeah, I think they're really solid, really, really, um, pretty really offensive, really bad at staying alive, but they've got their bows and they've got their, uh, got their good fighting.
1: Yeah. I, have, I I absolutely love Karnish Horsemen and Karned in general. Um, I, it, it's all about how you're building your list. There's sort of like the two primary builds where you're focusing on chariots and you Kav are running as support, or if you're running that kind of big cav horde. Um, yeah, skirmishing is the key for them, leveraging their bows. They can go in and be really spiky with the uh, with the piercing strike and those axes. Uh, but often you'll find that the, the low defense isn't coming into effect because your opponent is too busy worrying about your Karnish Kings on chariot and your chieftains on chariot so um often they can get away with doing lots of naughty shenanigans running around your flanks and filtering through the holes in the lines you're creating with those chariots uh to mm-hmm. do some pretty cool stuff so yeah fight four. um yeah awesome shoot value they're still cav they've got axes yeah they're, they're really really solid
0: yeah, I agree. I agree with both of you. Fight four Cav with, with all the equipment you could possibly want. Shield, you can do without because it's on a horse and they don't have that, that expert rider ability. Uh, a B plus on the, the blog is entirely fair. They, they are definitely on par with Riders of Rohan. I think they're absolutely fantastic.
2: Yeah, I've been using a lot of chariots recently, so I'm quite keen to start using these guys. And I think they're really going to make the, uh, the whole thing come together.
0: Yeah, they they really do. They do do a bit of everything and they 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 help out the chariot so well. So uh, I and the bow, the, the and you haven't even taken into account the bow. They're probably still right on the score with the bow, but they are they are great skirmish cavalry as well and they can pack a bit of a punch with the axe that can be a two-handed axe as well.
2: Yeah, agreed. Yeah. The, the bow is sort of yeah, taken into consideration for the score. Uh, they they don't come up quite as well on the on the charge stats mm. just as far as the numbers concerned. But Yeah, when when you look at the skirmishing as well, they are really good all-rounders.
0: Yeah, and we then we move on to their, their friend, the Carnish Charioteer, just the, the one without the hero, surprisingly.
2: Yeah, this is their, this is their best friend, in fact. Candish Charioteers, I absolutely love these things. I've been playing a lot of uh, and Candlelines, so this has just been going in, in every list I've been doing. Uh, yeah, they are real outliers in this. They're, their main thing is their potential for, for the multi-kills, especially against the more squishy armies, goblins and hobbits, that sort of thing which is something we couldn't really model in here. But even if we're just looking at them as, as normal cavalry models, they come out really, really well. Um, their chance to kill on the charge in this context is it's just crazy, crazy high. It's a weird biased one because obviously their base size is making a huge difference in the way they're going to be played and does mean that you know most of the time they're not going to be in a in a one-on-two. Uh, your opponent is going to be piling their units in, going for, going for multi-combats as much as they can. But, um in in the context of this little scenario that we've cooked up yeah they are they're crazy crazy good um i think in the buffed uh version of the model yeah i think we're looking at 80% chance to kill and and a really really very very low chance to get killed in return which is due to this you know this crazy crazy in the way roll they get um i think the stats kind of tell a more pretty picture than when you actually use them on the table because obviously they can feel a lot squishier than you might expect cuz all it takes is one um one attack to get through this five-up-in-the-way roll, and they're, they're looking at very, very probably getting taken off the table. But like I say, in, in this scenario, yeah, they come out, they come out great, and they uh, they on A.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to disagree with the score, because I don't know that it's a fair comparison, because they, they are so different to everything mm-hmm. else. What I will say is they, they suffer in that you can give them a hero, which is, like, such a good choice. So... Often, Oftentimes you go, oh, I could put a captain on it or I could put a king on it. And yeah, ups the points. But the big problem with these guys is they are absolute like archery magnets. So when people mm-hmm. see these guys, it's like, I'm going to throw everything at them and and have have a go at them i think this Legless's wound actually just go at the rider as well i think it does i think he can avoid the yeah, in the way does him, yeah. so he's like if he's on the board which is not it's not a fair comparison but these guys are not on the board at that point so um, they are their, their damage output is incredible but their ability to go down is also and and the big base which i don't think we've taken to account in this modeling means that whenever they they get someone attacking against them they're going to have a pile of attacks against them so they they potentially on the defensive front might be a bit lower, even though they have that bulwark rule or whatever it is where they you try and hit them and then you end up hitting their horses.
1: Yeah, that's the thing with Kandish chariots is they're, they're amazing when they get there, but if they're just a chariot, they never get there. Um, they're really cool models, but I'm, I'm 100% an advocate for just heroing up pretty much almost all of your chariots um, and then using the rest of your points to take um, take Kandish cavalry and then a slew of little bits of infantry every now and then to feed through the gaps as the battle line clashes. I think I'll, I'll defer to the, the Meister of Khan himself, Mr. Josiah, who I shouldn't misrepresent because he might be appearing soon we'll see um or might have and, already appeared uh,
0: depending on <laughs> which order i did it
1: yeah yeah exactly but um yeah it's yeah the conjure chariot as a model is like unbelievable the benefits that it gives the rider and when that rider is a hero and he you, th- these you, you just look at these chieftains and these kings and they're goddamn unkillable with this amazing in the way role that you're striking past in combat it's yeah yeah uh absolutely absolutely uh devastating units
2: I agree completely, yeah. I think the your basic charioteer, it, it brings a lot of problems, like how squishy they are when you get an auto like a magical attack. Um bumping these up to heroes really does does change that. Another thing we've not mentioned is the um the fact that these guys benefit more on the charge than your average cavalry model. And because we only are looking at these these models on the charge, it really does bias things toward towards these guys. Um and like you say, with the heroes, they, they rely far, far less on getting that charge you know you've got your chieftain with two attacks you've got your king with three attacks these are good co- uh, combat models even when they're not getting the charge whereas your normal charioteer he's, he's pretty ineffectual when he's when he's not charging which means he's you know he's relying on getting priorities he's relying on getting these heroic moves the heroes really uh, take away a lot of that uh, dependency
0: okay let's move on to the exciting part the harrods harrodram sorry yeah
2: very exciting, very very spicy. Uh, so yeah, the theme for the next few models is just going to be crazy offense, crazy bad defense. But that's that's what you know what you're getting into. So the Raiders, um, they've got their lances, so they're they're really really spicy. Uh, Twelve points, really cheap. You can you can stock up on these guys. Forty percent chance to kill, thirty percent chance to die. No, thirty six percent chance to die. Uh, so you know if, if you're throwing them in, you know you know somebody's going to die, uh, and it's just a case of who that's going to be. Uh, they are really hampered by their fight three. Fight four is going to be a big problem for these guys. Um, but they do have their, their, their poison. So really spicy, really killy. Uh, very, very fun models.
0: Yeah, these ones... I, I look, your score is a B- and I pretty much agree with that spot on. I've been using these guys a lot. They, their points levels are really interesting in that it's it's such value in on its own if you don't look at the context for it. Uh, and the ability <laughs> to give them a bow and a war spear is really useful because you can do that, that Rivendell Knight type role where you skirmish and you, you hit really hard. You could take them with just mm-hmm. the bow, which is uh, plays a different role essentially. They're nowhere near as good as with the lance. The lance is such a good purchase, that, that war spear they've got. But... The next one on the list really does mean that their their points values don't seem as impressive.
2: Yeah, that's absolutely correct.
0: Lachlan, do you want to talk about these guys?
1: I couldn't agree more with everything you guys have said. Great summary.
0: <laughs> yep. So the Serpent Riders um are basically the same as the Rajam Raiders no bow option, but you get the fight four.
2: Yeah, so they're taken away the bow. They they've um Accounted for the the main weakness of the Raiders, which is their their fight three, but so their fight four really just pumps these guys into into ridiculous killing killing levels. Uh, so their percentage chance to kill in this scenario goes to fifty one percent on a thirteen point model. That is madness. So if if you are not planning on skirmishing, just take these guys. They will kill more or less anything you point them at. Yeah, they still die quite a lot, but the the, the kill power per point is just. Uh, I think it's the highest of, of any cavalry.
0: Yeah, they're 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 that good
1: i'm curious jez what's your sort of uh kind of army composition in terms of ratio of raiders to serpent riders are you running just the one are you taking both obviously the you know be- the benefits from poison and things that they're, they're, they're all really good units but do you have a do you have a sort of favored weighting
0: uh at the moment i've been running uh three to one rate uh three to one uh, serpent riders to to raiders <laughs>
1: so essentially just for their bows to help leverage that
0: pretty much and because uh, the, some of the, some of the points don't quite work out it just no they're actually the main reason I wouldn't take more Serpent riders is there's only two poses and i only own 12 yeah fair fair they <laughs> they they're, they're, they're the royal guard of the the Harajan list they they just
1: i was literally about to say that <laughs>
0: Too bad, I got to say it. They, they fight 4 on a cavalry model is really, really, really good. Fight 4 with the ability to hit a lance means that everyone is scared of these guys. Plus, you've got the poison lance, so they, they they will knock things down pretty easily. And then the Soladan banner bonus with the potential to get another banner bonus is so, so, so good. And they're so cheap that you can take way more than, them, than you need.
2: Yeah, it is terrifying. And um, to um, to quantify just how good they are at killing things, so the, the Knight of Minotirith, which is you know something which we said earlier, has got pretty pretty good killing power per point, kind of uh, mid-high range. Uh, they come in at, what is it, 27.6 uh, kill power per point. These guys are 49.3, so almost double the kill power per point of a, of a Knight of Minotirith. So these guys are, yeah, absolutely lethal.
0: Like, I charge Army the dead with these guys, and I'm confident I'm going to take them off the board.
2: Yeah, yeah, they're that good.
1: Just before we leap off them, uh, Sulidan a, creates a banner effect, but that doesn't count as being in range of a banner. So if they're in range of another banner, they can effectively get two rerolls across both of their dice. Is that correct?
0: I'll just uh, I'll look that up exactly what it was, because I think I discovered that last time I played it, and it's, um, I'll probably... Have to play around if I've got it wrong. So Sullidan has, uh, uh, what is it? He's got this is a banner with a range of six inches. Oh, I guess not. Oh, maybe it's it's just a banner. Yeah.
1: Okay. Is there is are there other combinations like that that we can think of in other factions where you could where you can be in range of a banner effect? That does does that still count as a banner? Like, is there a way that you can set up that double banner on a single model in combat?
2: There's nothing that I know of. As, as the ones that spring to mind all say this model counts within as being within range of a banner. Yeah, that was what I thought no, as no, well. No, no,
0: this is what it is. This is what it is. So with the the mumak, you've got awesome presence, friendly Harajum and Mahood models within three inches of this model may reroll a single d6 when making a dual roll. This is cumulative with the effects of a banner. However, each yeah, d6 may only be is. rolled once. That's what it is. So Saladin is the banner. The mumak's a different thing. It's not a banner. So uh, yeah, so you can uh, yeah that's.
2: that's... And that's very what cool. Putting. Very cool.
0: Yeah, I might put that. Yeah, out. so that's something
2: that's not that's not put into this uh, into this calculation. So yeah, potentially even better.
0: Yeah, because that's how I use them at the moment. They're basically they hang around at the foot of a, a mumak.
2: Oh, you're doing the old uh, the old
1: hammer and anvil. The, the old, no, the double hammer. The mumak on one side, Sulidan and a bunch of serpent riders on the other, and just crushing into people. Very well, cool.
0: Yeah, they're pretty much all together at this point, and this, the the mumak goes right through. And yeah, it's it's a fun list.
1: Are you running the war
0: leader? No, I'm running just a ra- a, a repelling line, cheapo.
1: Oh,
2: brilliant, brilliant.
0: <laughs> okay, the the next one is the Mahood Raider.
2: So yeah, Mahood Raiders really, really scary, incredibly uh, good at killing things. 51 percent chance to kill. That's including the, the strength or impact hit they get. So they, they act like mini chariots. Um, they don't have the fight for that the Serpent Riders bring to the table. But yeah, these guys are just absolute monsters. You see these coming towards you. You know some things are going to die. You know, even before you get to the dual role, they're, uh, they're they're scary models to be facing down.
0: Yeah, these guys are so, so good. The impact hits, the potential damage is huge, because it's, it's. yeah, you're right, it's mini chariots, but just just when you go into a hero or into a cavalry model, taking out their horse is really good. I had these guys, um, the hero versions of them. I took an army, which was pretty much all heroes of them, and I impact hit uh, an Ent to death.
2: <laughs> That's absolutely savage. That's That's horrendous. Do so these guys <laughs> yeah, have the same yeah. things as the Chariots where you can't spend my points on the impact hits? Or can these guys might point their own, uh, their own impact?
0: You used to be able to. I don't think you can anymore. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, they have some really interesting matchups as well. Like Jeremy mentioned, when you impact hit cavalry, you hit the rider and the mount for one strength four hit. So, for most horses, you're wounding the horse on four. uh, And if you line that up with an interesting matchup, like for instance, uh, a, a model that has a shield while mounted with expert rider, then you take out their horse and then you're hitting them with an impact hit or then fighting them in combat. You're then, you know, dealing with a model that has reduced defense because it's no longer mounted um, and not able to use the the benefit of that shield while having a bow like the Rider of Rohan. So, yeah, the impact hits are just absolutely insane. Camels can just punch holes. Uh, people can set up their shield wall ready to take your charge and then the dude at the front gets killed and the camel's punching through and all of a sudden the guys in the back rank are fighting. So, yeah, impact hits are very savage. Now,
0: Dan, yeah, Dan, just really out of curiosity, Dan, are these guys always having the, the war spear in your analysis?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I think we said at the top of the article, and anything which has access to a land effect is going to be taking it, because at least for, for this little analysis, there's there's no reason why you wouldn't take them. If we're looking to pump up killing power at one point for a plus room, it's just an absolute no-brainer.
0: Yep, I've converted every single one of mine to have that because they actually come with an arm that doesn't have the, the war spear, and that arm gets changed very quickly because the war spear is a no brainer on these guys. Yep,
2: yeah, why wouldn't you take it? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Especially because you get the ones off the plastic models and they look really cool because there's lots of variety in them. Uh, we mm. move on to a favorite of mine, the Iron Hills Goat Rider.
2: Yeah, very cool, very janky models. So they have this 33% order. Very cool, really um, bumps up their survivability. Obviously, it won't affect their killing power because if you're winning that dual roll, you're uh, you you're knocking down your opponent anyway uh, on the charge. That is uh, so, yeah, very very good, solid all round. They have their um their spear uh, their their war spear, so they've got that lance effect. Um, a little bit squishier than the rest of the Iron Hills list. Uh, l- lower defense than you might expect. They also have their um their eight inch movement, which you know you, you can play around it. You can deny them charges uh, with your own cavalry. Uh, but you no, know, really really cool models, very fun and uh, very powerful.
0: Yeah. Also, it costs a lot of money in Australia, so I don't know about in the UK. But they're they're ones that they're very valuable. So you, you you see either an army that's pretty much all of them with the the ballista, or you see occasionally them sprinkled into iron hills ones. I've taken them. I've never regretted taking them. These guys are a good. I think an A minus is probably a fair score for them. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, A minus is spot on. The goat riders are fantastic, and as always, con- context they fill a really important role in the Iron Hills list. Give them a little bit of that extra iron foot mobility, uh, and the knockdown on man side models is, is a really sneaky little rule for them, which can really wreak havoc with a shield wall. Um, so it's yeah, very cool models. A minus is very fair.
0: The best thing about it, though, is, is it means that you can charge heroes and have a really good chance of not dying to them, where normally you would. So if you want to go into, like, a, an elf hero or something like that, these guys are happy to because you've got a chance to, to take them down. And if you charge multiple ghosts into them, you can keep doing that. So um, it's a really effective way to, to match up and fight those guys that normally are a concern.
1: Just charge Aragorn, knock him over, keep him prone, win the heroic move, roll off, keep charging him, keeping him prone. Yeah, very
2: effective. Yeah, very cool model, very powerful, good all-round. Yeah, I I like him.
0: So now we move on to to another favorite of mine. You've got them all coming up. This is the the Hobbit stuff. The the Mirkwood Cavalry, which I'm going to say before we do this, are beautiful models. Uh, When they first came out, they didn't have a shield option, but now they have a shield option. Dan, did you include the shield when you had these?
2: Yes, like the Lance uh, yep. shields uh, on everything when it when it can be.
0: hundred uh, percent. If I'm gonna take them for, for competitive, so I always put the shield on them. I've got a couple without the shield for for looks, but yeah, the shield option is a good option.
2: Yeah, I think if if you're investing thirteen, fourteen points plus in a cavalry model, one point for a shield is gonna be at least for this, you know, this killing power analysis that we're doing, a shield is gonna be gonna be a no brainer.
0: Yep, so these guys are, are basically your cheap elf cavalry. So this is the biggest advantage they have over like the Gladrum knight. They pretty much hit as hard, but they they're a lot less cost like prohibitive, and they also like get the Thranduil effect where they they get the banner effect when they're near him as well. So these guys are just really good, and they they do their role in an elf list. They're really important in the elf list, and they're they're really useful models.
2: Yeah, I think if I'm a uh, i calf. I'm not really happy with how how good and how cheap they are. And like you say, they have these Thranduil buffs, which really do make them sing. They've got a six-inch banner. Great, you'll have that active, you know, quite a lot of the time. The three-inch bubble of plus one to wound, a lot harder to use, but really crazy, crazy powerful. Uh, their kill percent goes up to 63% when they've got their got their banner and their plus one to wound active. So it really does, it kind of turns them into, into Rivendell Cav uh, instead of Galadrim. So, yeah, very, very cool. Uh, surprisingly cheap for, for what they bring to the table.
0: Yeah, B is probably fair, but I, I would not be unhappy with a B-plus either.
2: 20 points, are they? They are.
0: What are they, 16 or so? 17?
2: Something like that. Let me double-check. Uh, Galadrim. No, that's Galadrim. Um oh, good. 17 points.
1: Yeah, wow. The uh, the old uh, wood elves over in Lothlorien feel a bit robbed, don't they? Yeah, they're certainly really cost-effective for what they bring to the table.
0: Yeah, 5-5 five, five cavalry is, is fantastic, and, and for that price... Yeah, it's good. It's good.
2: Yeah, they're they're cheaper. They're they're better at killing things. I think strictly strictly a better version of a uh, Galadrim.
0: Yeah, agreed, agreed. And we move on to the last one, and this one I'm very excited about.
2: Yep, I'm ready to lock horns on this one. So, uh, Hunter, the the big elephant in the room is the the fail site. So that's that's what brings the model together. They've got their Crazy good shooting, four plus, really really nice. They've got their fell sight, which just means you can do things with this cavalry that you can't do with any other cavalry in the game. But if we're only looking at the numbers, they come off really very very badly. Uh, you also have to consider that they have the the two attacks when they're dismounted, so you can you can maybe look at it as being they gain less from being on cavalry uh, than other models might do. Um, but if we if we are boiling it straight down to the stats, these guys come off very, very inefficient.
0: Hmm. Lachlan, you speak first. I'm going to gather my
2: thoughts.
1: (laughs) Okay, cool. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't used them myself a lot, but I have played against them a little bit. Um, It can be really challenging when you're fighting them and uh, you are killing wags or, or even if the opponent is voluntarily dismounting them and all of a sudden you've got two units which are fantastic and yielding more attacks than they had when they were Cav uh, with uh, two attacks on foot uh, for the uh, Hunter Orcs and and then the, for the Warg stays around, you're dealing with both of them. Um, I think... They're obviously a bit softer because they're only D4, um, but uh, you're just being able to shoot, being able to uh, do all sorts of shenanigans, and yeah, you just... fell sight is just crazy. The stuff you can set up when you're playing on boards with the proper amount of terrain that SBG is supposed to be played with, uh, you can set up some crazy shenanigans with them.
0: C+, plus if there's no terrain on the board whatsoever, but if you have any terrain that you can put a model behind, these guys are just brilliant. Like, like I said before, the Army of the Dead, where you can put them in a puddle, these guys should put them behind a big rock or a building or a forest or something like that that blocks their line of sight and they cannot be targeted and they can run around. So so things like wizards in that, that that hide in the background, anything like a hornblower, anything in the rear rank hate these guys. They are so scary because they can get around to them when they can't normally be seen. So these those hidden models, they cannot survive these guys. You've got the dismount ability. So if you need to suddenly get somewhere and then dismount to two guys, you can do that. Something like a reconnoiter, that's really nasty because you count as one as you go, but just before you get to the line, you can have a cheeky go at turning into a Wag and a hunter orc and get off the board. Uh, you can split up and you become very effective on foot, which is good. So if you want to jump in the forest, that's really good. Uh, you're probably backed up by a hero like a wag, uh, the their captain or bog that also, also has the fell sight. You've got the, the the good strength value. You've got uh, it, these guys. are, I think well and truly above that C plus. I would go something like a. Probably a C plus if you have no terrain, but you have any terrain on the board. I'm looking at at uh, a B plus A minus area. These guys can you win you games, and they are they are incredibly difficult to deal with if they played well.
2: Yeah, I think you're right. I think they are crazy wildcard model. I think, yeah, you start with the basic stats on paper at a C plus, but in the context of the game, they're only going to go up from, upwards from that. And uh, the stuff you can do with them is is really crazy. And I think yeah, getting, getting the points worth just depends on yeah making use of that fell site.
0: Absolutely. I've, I've played some games, especially small points games. Small points games are foul sight. You can just frustrate your opponents so much because you can just keep moving them behind a building. If you have like a like a Rohan board, they love to go behind Rohan houses and just dance around and dance around and just scare people because they've got such long range, and they just pick people off and then duck back, and they can do that ultimate hit and run.
2: Yeah, crazy, crazy models.
0: Mm, Lachlan, do you have anything to say about these guys?
1: I think they're really solid. They're, they're, yeah, it's all about that. Yeah, they're soft, but if you just play them right, they're absolutely lethal. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, especially if you put Bolg on one of them. That 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 certainly does the job.
2: Yeah, well, yeah, Bolg can certainly to... do work, can he? <laughs> <laughs> looking at the points here, it seems like compared to you know normal normal works, they are paying between three and four points for that fell sight and for the, for the the shooting power. So I think yeah, you really need to to justify that extra four points with.
0: I think it's, it's once again, a contextual thing. The hunter orcs are pretty cheap uh, for what you get with the, the two attacks on the foot, so you can definitely afford these guys, and they play a role in the army that just makes the army work i've tried the army without them and it is just nothing compared to the army with them they are they really do help you out that speed they have that ability to always hit people sometimes when you charge cavalry models you can't get around the back because you can't see the model your own cavalry model ends up blocking it off so these guys you never ever have that issue so you can always do that full surround when you do the cavalry charge if you're charging like a small pocket of guys and that stuff's underrated on paper but really when you, when you put them on the table, you really see what they can do and it's so useful. You never get that, that person that says, can you do, see line of sight? Will you check line of sight? You go, sure, I will. I can see you.
2: And which is really, really good. Yeah, cool. Yeah, agreed.
0: Mm. Well, that's all of them. I actually really like your analysis, Dan. I think you've done a fantastic job with this overall. We disagreed on a few things, but that's just because they're things that probably are incredibly difficult to model on your, your spreadsheet and... Um, yeah, well, well done, and thanks for being on. You've you've argued very, very well. Lachlan and I did our best to to dethrone some of your arguments, but you've you've held your ground and and done it admirably.
2: I, th- I think most of the times where we don't see eye to eye, it's just a case of how much we're looking at things in context. You know, you have more experience of playing them in the game versus I'm c- coming at it from an angle of just putting numbers on paper. So I think, uh, yeah, it, it's quite clear that you know things are going to act very, very differently when you bring in all the factors, how they work in the game, what you're aligning them with, what magic powers you're using, or all, all this crazy, crazy stuff. So um, yeah, the, the the main takeaway, well, I think I had two main takeaways. Both is that cavalry is always, always good, uh, even all these models that, that don't come out quite as well. You just take them in an army all the time. I'm a big, big fan of if an army brings anything new to the table, you want to you want to capitalise on that with your army. So you see that with. Um, with uh, with Felsite being probably the best example there, like why would why would you ever not take that? You're always going to want to make some use of that in your army, uh, even if it might not be the most efficient use of your points. You're just going to do it because it's something your army can do that others others can't. So uh, that's that's one takeaway. Cavalry is always always good, especially if they bring uh, something different to the table. Uh, and the other one is, is fight value. So uh, I, obviously everyone knows fight value, really big, really important. But um, yeah, fight value is, is crazy, crazy, especially on cavalry models. So when we're looking at things like the jump from uh, fight three to fight four, you really are looking at the difference between a cavalry model that is there just to stick around, maybe get a kill or two if it can, and a model that is really, you know, out to, out to score up kills, really threaten opponents. And uh, yeah, I think maybe the best example of that is the Warg Marauder, which really doesn't have quite as much kill power as you might expect it to. And uh, I think it's, it's fight value is the, uh, the real Achilles heel there. So, that, yeah, they that were my two bigger uh, big draws from the article.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But I think the one thing you've, you haven't included as well is that, that um, the higher fight you are, the better you are at killing heroes, and that makes you yep. way more points effective because your, your elf cavalry, if they can take down a hero, they've made their points well and truly over, and they can do nothing else in the game, and they're still, like probably one of the most important models in that game whereas your your lower fight guys have to work a lot harder for that and have to wait for the heroes to fail what they're doing so i think that's something that that when you're fighting against basic troopers you don't see the full value of something like one of those high fight value models
2: uh yeah fully agreed um when when you are looking at the, the fight five models they are almost a different category of cavalry models in themselves they're just out to do things that the normal cavalry models will never even consider. So yeah, really crazy, crazy yeah, sort of paradigm shift in how you're using your cavalry there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So let's finish off with, let's, I know we've given some grades and that sort of stuff, but I just want a knee jerk reaction. Best cavalry model in the game. Let's make a call. No sitting on the fence. You have to come up with one. Uh, I don't want to start with this one. Dan, I'm going to go with you first because you, are, you have crunched all the numbers.
2: So, I've laid out a, a number system. I've explained my reasoning. I think I wouldn't be able to look, stick to my guns. So, uh, if we're talking basic, unbuffed cavalry, I'm, I'm going with Hood Raider.
0: Fair call. Fair call. It's a, it's a really good model. Lachlan, what about you?
2: Well, I'm not going to sit
1: on the fence, uh, Jeremy, but I'm going to scream Rohan Royal Guard in all caps with throwing spears and then in brackets put um, Rivendell Knights.
0: <laughs> uh, okay. That's a tough one. I am going to, my heart wants to say uh, Serpent Riders, but I am going to back you up and say Rohan Royal Guard as well.
2: Great. Well, that makes me feel quite good about my uh, about the table. Eh?
0: Yeah, your table was good. Uh, it was It was really, sometimes the, the maths you do, the analysis, and it doesn't work at all. This one, I think, actually works pretty close to it.
2: Yeah, and it would, when the numbers came out, I was pretty happy. It seemed to more or less back up um what we thought it would be what we'll be seeing I uh, yeah the, the thing with the the bow you know that's not modeled into it at all that was really really clear. so uh, I think if we did find some way of accurately modeling that, yeah, we would see Riverdale Knights up there probably in the top the top three or four spots, but so uh, yeah Mahood Raiders and and royal guard, both absolutely outstanding as far as the other numbers concerned.
0: Mm, there you go but hopefully we see lots more of them no i don't want to see lots more of them on the board they're scary we see a lot of royal (laughs) guard we don't see a lot of mahud around here at the moment which is which is nice because they are really scary especially if you ever take them in battle companies you are going to lose all your friends because mahud raiders will run through a whole battle company before they've even fought yeah
2: absolutely horrific (laughs) okay well thank you both for coming on thank you very much yeah cheers for having me it's been it's been a pleasure
1: thanks jeremy always a pleasure to come on the green dragon
2: uh,
0: remember, listeners, traps win games. Thank you for listening to the Green Dragon Podcast. Please be advised that the Green Dragon Podcast is not suitable for children, the elderly, pregnant women, those with a history of heart conditions, or anyone expecting to receive worthwhile advice. You can contact us on thegreendragonpodcasts at gmail.com. Yes, it has an S at the end. Or our Facebook page, The Green Dragon Podcast. We do not claim ownership of any works based on J.R.R. Tolkien, New Line Cinema, Warner Brothers or Games Workshop. This podcast is purely for entertainment. The thoughts, as rare as they are, are solely that of our hosts and guests. Farewell, listener, until we meet again.